<laughs> Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Exploring the Lord of the Rings. I'm laughing because in-game here, uh, I, I seem to be surrounded by a couple of unexpectedly chipper ring wraiths here. What is up with those crowns? It's like the Eye of Sauron behind their crowns? And the big, what, the big Angmarim spiky thing in the middle of their little crown helmets <laughs> going on? Happy Halloween! <laughs> How do we look? How do you like our new costumes? That's fantastic. And look, they even they even float, look, when you walk. Yeah, they, yeah. they float. Oh. Yeah. Pretty cool, huh? Wow. But I really wish they would have all nine, because they all are dandy dressers. Maybe they will over the years. Yeah, wow. maybe. So which one is this? Witch, witch King. King. Is the Witch King. Okay. And his his face is supposed to which be Which is a little fire. weird. First to be on fire, yeah, which I think is something they added, because I couldn't figure out why his mm -hmm. face would be on fire, but, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. Pretty cool, it's huh? It's like the power yeah, of yeah. the Eye of Sauron is... Like Unfortunately, we can we can't do any emotes, and we figured yeah, out why he's probably grumpy. Is that he can't eat candy? Uh -huh. he can't eat, yeah, he can't go trick or treating, and he can't ride a horse. Well, certainly, with so the best we can do is on, just... there's no way that he could even pick yeah. up candy. I mean, I guess he could stab it. <laughs> he could yeah, stab no, it. no sword, no sword, no knife. Yeah, but no pretty sword cool knife. looking. Pretty, pretty, All right, pretty okay. cool. We'll let you get back on with it. We'll let you yeah, get back we'll on with it. <laughs> I have my homework to do. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, that's pretty cool. All right. Yeah. Whew. All right. I'm suddenly attacked by ring rates, which you never know when that's going to happen. So cool. Welcome, welcome back to exploring the Lord of the Rings. Uh, my name is Corey Olson, the Tolkien Professor, and this is session eighty of uh, of uh, exploring the Lord of the Rings. So we are threatening. To leave the Lone Lands and cross the river here tonight. We'll see. We'll see if we actually get so far as that. Um, uh, a couple quick announcements to start with. Of course, biggest and most important announcement coming up is that uh, this coming weekend is LA Moot. Uh, so uh, if you want to uh, join me in Los Angeles, um, you know, like the Red Sox chose to do uh, this this year, uh, joining me in Los Angeles for LA Moot, uh, then uh, that would be awesome. So it's going to be this coming Saturday, so in less than a week, only about five days, but it's still possible to register um, if you want to uh, if you want to join us. So if you're anywhere in Southern California, uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be in LA. I don't remember exactly the address offhand, but you can look it up at lamoot.org or at signumuniversity.org uh, on the events page when we scroll down a little bit. So uh, so that's coming up soon. And of course, not long thereafter is Magnolia Moot down in Charlotte, North Carolina on the 10th of November. So I hope that some of you will be able to join me for that too. Been fun. It's always fun watching registrations come in. I get email notifications when people register. So I love seeing uh, people's names come across who are, uh, who are planning to attend the Moot. And I'm always... Uh, excited to see people. Some people I've uh, have met before, and I'm looking forward to to getting to see them again. Others uh, are people that I whose names I recognize, but I've never gotten to meet them yet. So, uh, in either case, I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to to see folks in Los Angeles, and then again in two weeks in Charlotte. So, uh, as I say, I hope you will get a chance if you um, if you haven't been able to yet uh, to to join us there. Um, 
that second uh oh uh, so uh, i see a question about do we have one near boston ever yes we're gonna have one uh the date is not set yet but it's gonna happen in 2019 we're gonna have a new england moot um it's gonna be in amherst mass actually because we don't really want to be part of the boston traffic situation uh so we're gonna we're gonna and amherst is a little bit easier for people from like southern uh, from like connecticut and and from vermont coming down um uh, a little easier for people to get to from different directions so uh, we're going to be in Amherst, Massachusetts, and that'll be, uh, um, as I say, I'm not quite sure. Either late spring or, or early fall, one of the others. So that's the plan. Um, yeah, Boston is for walking boomful if you're, once you're already there, right? But trying to get there from elsewhere is uh, challenging often. So um, anyway, so speaking of Boston, so here's, here's my other announcement. As many of you know... Uh, I live in uh, New Hampshire, and in fact, I'm from here. Uh, I grew up here, went to middle school and high school here in New Hampshire. Have been a Red Sox fan since 1985. And uh, the Red Sox are in the World Series, of course. Uh, game one of the World Series is going on even now. Uh, so I, I, I kind of compromised with my... Because it was a bit of a conflict, right? I mean, this is the Red Sox are in the World Series. It's kind of a big deal. So baseball is my favorite sport. So... But I, so I've, I've, um, I've compromised with myself. I'm holding my classes tonight and tomorrow night during games one and two uh, of the World Series. However, should the World Series go to six or seven games, game six and seven will be next Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'm totally canceling class. If there is a game six of the World Series happening next Tuesday, I'm not going to have class because I'm going to be watching game six of the World Series instead. So that's my compromise. We'll have class this week during games one and two, but I'm not having class next week. So, but it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Boston in five, uh, and it won't be an issue. So that's uh, that's my plan. <laughs> that's, that's my plan and my prediction. Uh, you know, uh, see, mad violinist. I was, I was, I was not gonna. Um, I was not going to uh, uh, say a sweep, you know, but, uh, uh, but, you know, I'd take that too. No question. Yeah. Yeah. So you should root for a Dodger sweep. Well, you know, I guess in some ways that would be better than, uh, you know, Sox losing in seven uh, in one way. Um, but um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, <laughs> Oh, Tamara, I understand. If you're not from the area, it, there's, there is, uh, it's funny because, you know, Tamara, I, I lived in, you know, I moved away from New England in 96 and I was out of the New England region for more than 20 years. Um, and it was weird coming back, uh, weird in a lot of ways. Um, but one of the things that was, um, well, it was 20 years from when I left to go to college, which was still in Massachusetts. So I, was, I didn't I actually was only out of the, of the New England area for about 15 years uh, total counting college. Um, but Tamara, it was so funny because when I left in the 80s, right, or like in the early 90s, um, Boston sports was not what, like, while I was gone, you know, Boston sports became this huge juggernaut. You know, there was like the Celtics in the 80s, but that was pretty much it. You know, uh, the Red Sox were still hopeless and uh, the Patriots were completely incompetent. Um, you know, and then, I, you know, then I come back and now all of a sudden it's totally different. But anyway, 
Yeah. Um, and Tony, yeah, it's true. Next Wednesday is Halloween. Now I've held class on Halloween before, uh, and I probably will do so again, <laughs> assuming that Game 7 of the World Series isn't happening. You can see my priorities, right? Uh, but anyway, um, so yeah, James, exactly. Things are pretty different in the Boston area now as far as the sports scene is uh, uh, is uh, is concerned. But anyway, um yeah, cool. Um, so, yeah, Boomful, it's really hard to get used to being the hated, arrogant winners now. Like, that's, it's weird. Again, as, like, somebody who grew up, uh, I mean, I, you know, it's not like I'm one of those people who lived my whole life, obviously, you know, never seeing Red Sox win the World Series. Um, but, you know, like, uh, 1986, you know, the loss to the Mets in 86 was, like, you know, near the very beginning of my fandom and, you know, uh, a, a strong run of of frustration after that. I have some experience with that. Um, anyway, yeah, it is, uh, it is strange. Okay. So... Let's, um, uh, let's, yeah, Stephanie, yeah, see, so Stephanie, as a Yankees fan, you can relate to this. After I left college, of course, I went to graduate school at Columbia. So I lived in Manhattan, and Stephanie, you'll be able to understand the full significance of this little factoid. I lived in Manhattan between 1997 and the year 2000. And so just imagine what it was like being a Red Sox fan living in Manhattan between 1997 and 2000. It was awful. Just awful. And so therefore, I can't, um, like, I, I, I will never... Uh, be just like an arrogant uh, <laughs> baseball fan. Like it's 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 going to take a lot to to counterbalance that. I have to say, uh, <laughs> but anyway, okay, all right. Um, I'm uh, uh, I, so I'm I'm focusing. I'm totally not okay. I'm totally keeping track of the baseball game. I'm not going to lie, but that's okay because I've done this before. Uh, I was keeping tra- I was keeping track of game four of the ALDS last week, and it was fine. I'm sure I'll be fine. Anyway, let us get to it here tonight. So, um, I want to, so tonight's class, as I said, is called an unexpectedly quiet journey, uh, because their trip through the, one one of the questions, which is in some ways a kind of an un, not only unanswered, but sort of unasked question, uh, in this section of the Lord of the Rings is why don't the Nazgul attack, right? Why is it so, you know, there's a lot of suspense in their travels uh, and a lot of uncertainty, but a good deal less danger, right? A good deal less danger than you would have thought, right? Than they thought uh, going. And remember Aragorn saying in one of the passages we were looking at last time, we can, we can scarcely meet greater danger wherever we go, right? Like, any risk is better than staying here where we're almost certain, you know, where we can be almost certain they're going to attack us again. Um, you know, so let's run any risk and maybe they are running risks. Right. But, um, but it's comparatively quiet. So I want to look at this. Um, and as I say, when I say unasked, I mean, unasked essentially by the text, like not insisted upon by the text. It's not something that's made a really big deal of. Um, so I want to be looking at how this is presented. It's one of my biggest sort of questions uh, as we uh, as we go through uh, this bit. So, all right, we're going to go straight into the text here tonight. 
They made their way slowly and cautiously round the southwestern slopes of the hill and came in a little while to the edge of the road. There was no sign of the riders, but even as they were hurrying across, they heard far away two cries, a cold voice calling and a cold voice answering. Trembling, they sprang forward and made for the thickets that lay ahead. The land before them sloped away southwards, but it was wild and pathless. Bushes and stunted trees grew in dense patches with wide, barren spaces in between. The grass was scanty, coarse, and gray, and the leaves in the thickets were fading and faded and falling. It was a cheerless land, and their journey was slow and gloomy. They spoke little as they trudged along. Frodo's heart was grieved as he watched them walking beside him with their heads down and their backs bowed under their burdens. Even Strider seemed tired and heavy-hearted. Before the first day's march was over, Frodo's pain began to grow again, but he did not speak of it for a long time. Four days passed, without the ground or the scene changing much, except that behind them Weathertop slowly sank, and before them the distant mountains loomed a little nearer. Yet since that far cry, they had seen and heard no sign of the enemy. Sorry, no sign that the enemy had marked their flight or followed them. They dreaded the dark hours and kept watch in pairs by night, expecting at any time to see black shapes stalking in the gray night, dimly lit by the cloud-veiled moon. But they saw nothing and heard no sound but the sigh of withered leaves and grass. Not once did they feel the sense of present evil that had assailed them before the attack in the dell. It seemed too much to hope that the riders had already lost their trail again. Perhaps they were waiting to make some ambush in a narrow place. Okay. Um, so, what do we notice here? So let's kind of take this one paragraph at a time. We explicitly address the Nazgul issue in the second paragraph there, right? Let's, um, let's focus on that on that first paragraph. And Boomfall, that's a really good point there on the Twitch chat, that it's, it's, it is difficult often, isn't it, to fight the urge to talk about things in the context of what we know later. You know, sometimes I kind of give in and we do that a little bit, right? But, um, but I agree, it's, it's best to sort of take what we're given here and to see what does this text show us here. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Great question, Tony. Tony asks, when, when the text says, trembling they sprang forward, does they include Strider or just the hobbits? Um, I'm thinking uh, really it, it primarily includes the hobbits. I think I, I, I don't think that Strider is springing. For one thing, if Strider were springing, he'd leave the hobbits behind, right? So, um, uh, you know, there may be... Um, Maybe a sense in which, you know, this is, um, uh, you know, they're all sort of moving quickly. But I, 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 I doubt. I, 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 I tend to think that that description goes to the, to the, uh, to the hobbits. Good, Erukeb has a, a really good piece of evidence there. Um, looking at the end of the first paragraph, um, Frodo's heart was grieved as he watched them walking beside him with their heads down and their backs bowed under their burdens. Even Strider seemed tired and heavy-hearted, which seems like Strider's not included in the they in the sentence before, right? Uh, they are his friends. They are the hobbits. And, oh, P.S., Strider also looked tired, right? Um, so, yes, I definitely, uh, I definitely think that it seems likeliest that the they is... Uh, 
uh, is the hobbits. Notice what that implies, though, by the way, that the sort of the narrative focus is still, this is still the story of the hobbits, right? They collectively, Frodo especially, but they collectively are still like the protagonists of this story. Strider is still a, I don't know, sort of a member of the supporting cast in the sense, if you see what I mean, right? He's still, it's like even the narrator is still treating him like an outsider to some extent, right? It's them plus Strider, um, which is, uh, which is interesting. Yeah. Sorry, Matthew, you're right. I, uh, um, I think I'm going to go back here and turn my music down, which is a little bit loud, uh, because I was listening to the spooky music. Yep. There it is. I was listening to the spooky music at, uh, the fall festival on Friday. So I think I left it turned up there. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Good Tony. Exactly. That they still, that they, they still don't see Strider as, as, as part of their party. Yeah. Even again, even the narrative itself is treating him that way. Right. Um, but yeah, Darren, uh, uh, I agree. Let's get back to that. Um, cold voice that they hear. Right. Um, even as they were hurrying across the road, they heard far away two cries, a cold voice calling and a cold voice answering. Trembling, they sprang forward and made for the thickets that lay ahead. Um, so what was happening there? So the obvious question, right? Um, the obvious question, uh, are those the ringwraiths, right? Um, if they are, and I mean, okay, let me come at that in another sense. If they're not, then what the heck are they? I mean, we have almost no reason to suspect anyone else. I mean, there aren't, there's not that big of a, there's not that big a cast of characters, right? Um, we know that the Black Riders can use other uh, spies and things, right? We know that they can... Uh, you know, like Bill Fernie and the squint-eyed Southerner, right, who were used by them at Bree and who were reporting them in Bree. So we know that they can have allies, but we have no reason to think that anybody else but them is out here in the wilderness, right? We've seen no sign of anything like that. So there's only a total of, well, 18 total creatures out there. Right. Meaning the nine and their horses, because remember, their horses are players in this because, uh, you know, remember Mary's question to Strider, you made us lie down flat as if they could see us on the hilltop. But I thought they couldn't really see and mostly were sniffing. Right. How would that help if they're sniffing? Um, and he said that their horses could see. Right. And therefore, presumably, in some way, communicate. That's never been clear to me, actually, exactly the kind of link or control or domination or whatever it is, uh, the relationship that the Nazgul have with their horses. Um, but anyway, um, we know that, you know, Strider suggests that the horses can see and therefore relate things to the, to the black riders. This is daytime when they're crossing the road, right? So if the cry, if the cold voice calling that they hear is in fact, somebody spying on them, right? Somebody doing lookout from somewhere, maybe from Weathertop itself, right? And crying out, as we know they can do, right? Um, from the cry that they heard uh, in the Marish. And remember, there were words in that call, right? Um, it's not just a shriek, as it is in the films. Um, 
it's a it's a it's a call. We we even looked at it as almost like a song and a counter song, right? With the drinking song uh, that Frodo and the other and Pippin and Sam were singing uh, when they first hear the the cry in the marish. Um, a moment that's going to be recalled on many occasions uh, further on down the road. Um, anyway, so uh, they that that they could cry from a distance and communicate with each other across the landscape fits with what we've seen. What doesn't fit with what we've been told is that one of them could be doing lookout duty from Weathertop um, from a distance, right? Unless he's brought his horse up there too, and his horse is doing lookout duty and watching the road, right? Which seems a little, I don't, maybe, I don't know exactly how that works. Um, so, oh yeah, I, I'll, yeah, I definitely don't think it's the horses calling. Um, my question is whether the horses are doing lookout duty, right? It seems to me like a little bit of a, um, it seems to me like a little bit of a, uh, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a tall order, right? To uh, It's one thing to have established some kind of connection with the horse so that the horse can, you know, tell you if it sees, like, so that you know if the horse is reacting to something, right? If the horse sees something moving or something like that, um, that it will respond in some way that the Nazgul will be attuned to and therefore realize that there's something there. Like, that I can get. But... You know, a Nazgul being there in the middle of the day where it's almost blind and certainly can't see things on the road at the distance and is like, okay, horse, watch that road. And if you see anybody on that road off in the distance, you just you just sing right out, right? You just tell me and I'll set up the alarm. I mean, I have a really hard time imagining how that works. So I'm not ultimately... Um, so, Crownless, I'm not ultimately questioning whether or not they're spotted by the Nazgul. I, I mean, like I said, I don't know. I don't know who else it could be. The cold voice calling and the cold voice answering, especially with the adjective cold being applied to it. It seems almost certain that it's the Nazgul crying out and that it happens right when they cross the road seems to be way too much of a of a coincidence right to possibly um uh suspect that they weren't spotted when they crossed the road so i get that right i totally get that um right so tamra see exactly i can easily imagine a horse letting you know when he sees something right I, i'm not a horse person so but but i but i can understand that right that, that i can get but Tamara, again, so if you know horses, I mean, would this work? Like, could you do that? Could you be with your horse on top of a hill and say, like, if you see anything, like, in the next 10 miles, like, you know, if you see anything moving 10 miles away, let me know. Right. I, that's, I just, that seems a tall order. I don't really, um, I don't really get it. And like I said, please keep in mind, I'm not suspecting that it's a horse crying. I think it's I, I, the cold voice. I think it's I think it's the Nazgul crying out. Um, but I don't. But again, my problem is how are they keeping watch? Right? Um, they primarily themselves, their direct evidence of the crossing of the road by the party would be smell or by feel, right? But the sense of their presence, which they sense the presence of the living creatures more keenly than the living creatures can sense 
them, right? The fear and that sense of present evil as it's described in the next paragraph. But neither one of those things are long range, right? Uh, I don't think they're getting a whiff of them crossing the road. If they could smell them crossing the road from several miles away, they could smell them in the woods several miles away, right? Um, how would they even know when they, if they were crossing the road? So, um, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, so, like I said, I've never really, um, I've never really gotten how this works here. Now I, um, um, yeah, yeah. Tillian says, uh, it's interesting because it never occurred to you that the cries would be anything other than communication between the writers. And again, I'm not suggest, I have nothing else to suggest. I mean, that seems to me the presumptive interpretation of that line. I mean, I don't think if it were anything, if it were a bird, if it were a horse or whatever, I don't think, it would be described this way. I don't think it would be a cold voice, right? Um, I don't think either the word cold or the word voice would likely um, be used to describe the cry of a bird, if you, you know, even a crevine or something like that, right? Um, of which there is no evidence, of course, anywhere north of Eregion. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I just, I don't, um, uh, I don't really understand what's meant to be happening here. And the reason I'm, um, yeah, now it is possible, Eric had that it's, it could just be a coincidence in a sense, right? That they're not actually spotted crossing the road. Um, but it's just at this time that they're crossing the road is when they hear the cries. It, that could be a coincidence, right? Um, they might have just been about to communicate anyway, and it just coincidentally happened. Uh, while they're crossing the road. Um, I don't know. And in any case, it certainly doesn't seem that it does the Nazgul much good, right? If they do spot, um, if they do spot the hobbits crossing the road, they don't do any, they don't appear to do anything with that information. They don't track them down, right? Um, so, um, yeah, yeah. Um, now, I don't want to, I don't want to push too hard on this, right? Not really sort of fully understanding what's happening here is, I think, part of the effect. Um, remember, remember a phenomenon that we've already noticed, especially in the lead up to the attack on Weathertop, right? And that is the way in which the narrative voice um, is attempting, and we were saying it was probably Frodo or mostly Frodo, right? Uh, within the, uh, the sort of the narrative world there um, is trying to not only just tell us what happened, but to try to convey to us the sense of what it felt like to be there. Right. Remember we were, we were looking at that with the, uh, uncertainty about whether that thing up on the hill was a rock or not, right? And all that kind of thing. Um, so uh, one of the effects, obviously, of one of the elements, chief elements of the experience of being here, right, at this time um, for the hobbits is the uncertainty, right? Not understanding, not knowing what's going on. Of course, we at least know 
that these are Nazgul. They don't even know that, right? So we already know, just in knowing that and knowing a little bit about Nazgul, um, we know a good deal more than they do, right? They just know these are these are black, ghost-like riders. Um, Strider seems to be jumpy and about people talking about becoming wraiths, right? Um, uh, but anyway, it's... Um, it, we don't know, they don't know, certainly, um, what's going on. They don't know the powers or the resources or how many allies or the, is there like a net of hunters closing in on them? They don't know. Remember that moment when Frodo was um, briefly, like when Gandalf at the end of chapter two was cautioning him that the enemy has many spies and many ways of, 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 of learning things, right? And that's right before he infenestrates Sam. And, you know, Frodo is relieved when he sees that it's, it's, it's just Sam, right? It's not anybody else. But, but there's that moment, right? When he's like, oh, like, who could be there, right? The, the, you know, the, the enemy has many spies. Like, you never know. Around any corner, there could be some dark, um, you know, assassin or, or spy or some servant of the enemy uh, with powers unknown. I mean, after all, these black riders just came out of the woodwork and they're completely terrifying. And not to mention like the Barrow White experience and who knows, you know that that's on their mind. Um, remember that, um, uh, remember that um, uh, the question, remember, is there any Barrow on Weathertop? Remember, wasn't I forget if it was Mary or Pippin who asked that question, but they're thinking about it, right? Is it? Do we have to worry about? Do we have to worry about Barrow Whites popping up at any minute here, as well as the Black Riders? Right? They have no idea. Um, so, uh, anyway, anyway, um, as I say, I think a big part of this experience for them is um, not understanding, not knowing. Um, so, coming back to the question of. Um, um, yeah, good. Arden Cran, I agree. That sort of, that hint, uh, that, that little sort of flash of uneasiness that Frodo has, uh, with the, the, uh, ex the revelation of the conspiracy, right? When he's expecting some, uh, dark, unknown figure, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We can, we can see that same kind of anxiety again. Um, anyway, so there's certainly a lot of, um, a lot of, possibilities here, right? Again, they have no idea. So in some ways, so one of the things I'm coming back around to here is part of me, at least kind of likes the coincidence reading, right? I have no explanation for how they could in fact be keeping watch. Again, it's not the crying that bothers me, right? It's not the cold cries and the cold answer. That's good. That's easy. The, I'm, I, and I am totally willing to, to say that I, I think this is the ring rates uh, communicating with each other, right? I think, the, I think the cold voices are the voices of the ring rates. They're totally talking to each other. What I don't understand is, uh, uh, is how they can see anybody crossing the road, right, from a distance um, in order to know uh, with enough detail to be able to time the signal. Uh, in that way. Um, a crownless, it's really interesting thinking of the, the cry and answer as foreshadowing the watchers uh, in uh, Kirithungal. That, that is interesting. Yeah, we do see a similar kind of thing there. Um, yeah. Um, and let's see, what do we get on? 
they heard far away two cries. Where are the cries coming from? We don't get any indication. Just that they're far away and presumably separate from each other by a significant difference distance as well, right? Or else, like, they probably wouldn't be shouting quite so loud, right? So, um, you know, we do get this sense of, you know, the hobbits and the two voices, you know, in some kind of, you know, all of them a long distance from each other. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, Irindus, I agree that it's true that Nazgul aren't actually blind um, and that maybe the shadows cast in their mind can be quite long. It's possible. I mean, I can't rule it out, but Irindus, the problem here is that sort of responding directly to, I mean, this is so much like the situation that they actually did talk about, right? Um, the, the, um, the situation with them up at the top, right? Of Weathertop. Uh, and Mary asking, like, why did you make us crouch down behind the wall if they can't see us, right? And Strider didn't say, Irindus, he didn't say, well, they can't exactly see us, but, you know, they still, in some sense, kind of like seeing they might have made us out, right? That's not what he said. He's like, their servants can see, right? They can get news from others, uh, and their horses can see. This is where how the horses got dragged into this whole discussion, right? With Strider's explanation. Um, so, um, yeah, anyway, um, this is, um, uh, it's, as I say, it's, it's, it's still not clear to me. Um, oh, that's interesting. Matt is wondering since they're far off, they could be two of the missing ring wraiths, ones that weren't there. Yeah. Or even like one of the group of five communicating with one of the group of four, maybe, maybe depending on, um, that seems possible. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the other reason, of course, that it could just be a coincidence is if, as who was talking about this, um, Yeah, as, sorry, as uh, uh, Too Old Notto says, uh, coincidence that feels ominous to the hobbits because they're so completely out of their knowledge. Yeah, I mean, it would be a coincidence really sort of designed to freak out the hobbits, right? No questions. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. It was Zephan who was saying that, uh, you know, whenever we do see something that just happens, you know, sort of coincidentally and by chance... Um, uh, we have, um, it's very, one, one sort of should really suspect the hand of Providence based on what we've seen. And I agree with that. And Zephan, it's one of the things, uh, it's one of the things that, um, I don't know. I can't, I, I can't understand though just because I can't understand it doesn't mean it isn't so, but I don't. The hand of Providence is uh, strange to me here, right? That I, I don't see, I don't see, I get the only function it would seem of this particular coincidence. And again, remember, keep in mind, the coincidence is just the two of them are going to yell at each other, yell to each other anyway, 
right? It just so happens, the coincidence is, that their yelling to each other coincides in time with the time when they cross the road. If the, the coincidence theory, that that is the coincidence theory, right? Um, and the only effect of the coincidence of those two events is to increase the paranoia and fear of the hobbits, right? Um, so it doesn't... Um, it doesn't seem like a positive thing in any way. Doesn't mean, of course, you know, Providence isn't necessarily always making everything easier on everybody. So, you know, like uh, that, that doesn't prove that it's not coincidence, you know, but um, um, I don't know. A couple of people are talking about the possibility of them maybe being, you know, herded into a trap. Possibly, though, A, I don't know what the trap is exactly, right? Um, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, I mean, I, I can see several of you are talking about, like, what is sort of the plan of the ring rates here. Um, I, I can totally understand why the ring rates would do this kind of thing, or these cry aloud, right? Betray their position, betray the fact that they're there, right? That's all to the good for them, right? They want the hobbits to feel hunted. They want the hobbits to feel like they are being closed in upon, right? Having spooky shrieks happening and, you know, shrieks and cold voices calling out and cold voices answering. That's a good thing, right? That's, uh, you know, that's a, a, a positive step, uh, for the ringwraiths, um, because it's only just gonna it's gonna break the will of the hobbits. Hopefully, that would be the goal, right? So you wanna you wanna scare them, right? Um, but uh, so okay. Um, yes, but it still doesn't explain why the that you know how they could see him crossing the road or whatever. So I, whatever, I, maybe I just need to let it go. Maybe I need to let it go. Or if any of you have any explanations that will satisfy me, I would love to hear them. Um, I just, I don't get this. I don't, I, I, I don't see it as a coincidence. It seems a big coincidence. I don't understand the mechanics of it. I can't understand how the ring rates can see them from that far away. Um, I just, uh, I just don't know. Um, Tony says, can we chalk uh, all this up into the because it's creepy category? You know, Tony, maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe here's another option, right? What if this is not exactly how it happened? Right? What if, again, this is the narrator um, sort of, I don't want to say creating this effect. And again, by the narrator here, I'm even thinking of Frodo, the narrator, right? Um, if you're one of the hobbits, right? And you're expecting, you've been expecting now uh, the black riders to come like leaping out of the woods at any minute, right? If any time, any time in vague, it doesn't have to be like, as soon as you step out of the bushes and start sneaking across the road, the cry comes, right? If there's a cold voice crying out in the distance, anywhere near like say you cross the road and there's a cold cry five minutes later right it is gonna freak you out right uh so maybe it's just that's maybe that's the effect that the narr the narrator is creating 
right? Again, that it's just, um, uh, it's just that, uh, again, the narrator trying to create the experience of what it was like to live in that time. Right. And what it was like for them to be there was constantly looking over their shoulder, not so like, were we spotted? I think we were spotted over there. That means we're probably dead. They're coming for us right now. Right. And any minute the raids are going to, they, they saw us and now we're toast. Right. You know, to, to create that, uh, you know, Tony, as you said, that sort of, uh, uh, creepy effect, I'm not exactly positing an unreliable narrator, um, just one, it's more in line, I, I still would consider this in line with the things that we were talking about before, that is, telling things in a way which not only tells us exactly what happened, but helps us to feel, to experience similar things to what the Hobbits were experiencing in order to get the effect of the narrative there. Um and it's true enough, Tony, that Frodo wasn't exactly in the frame of mind to be the most reliable witness in the world uh, to all this stuff. That's certainly true. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but Darren, I agree with you. Darren Gray makes the very sensible um, uh, counter argument to that, right? Um, which is... I think they'd remember well the detail of jumping into the thickets upon hearing the cry on the road. Yeah. I mean, the description there is sufficiently detailed that it does sound like um, it's hard to really jive the, you know, to, to make that fit with um, we crossed the road and then like a minute later we heard this, this voice and we were totally convinced, right. That, um, um, that, you know, this was, um, uh, this was going on. Um, trembling, they sprang forward and made for the thickets that lay ahead. Although, you know, Darren, here's the counter to that. Counter to that is um, that sentence, right? Um, uh, that sentence. Trembling, they sprang forward and made for the thickets that lay ahead. That would describe them crossing the road under any circumstances, right? Um, uh, and actually, and here's another thing. Hang on now. Hang on now. Um, looking at the sequencing a little bit more here. They came in a little while to the edge of the road. There was no sign of the riders, but even as they were hurrying across. Okay. They heard far away two cries. Yep, it does definitely. It's it. it the, the the narrative definitely suggests that. Um. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Eric, have that's exactly the direction that I'm thinking. Again, I'm 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 not even myself 100 percent convinced that this is the right way to think about it. Um, but yes. It, Eric Hebb, is Fro if Frodo is thinking like a pre-modern author, playing loose with the time would be justifiable in order to communicate how they felt like what the event was really like. Now, Marianne, of course, we should consider the possibility that this is just a mistake by Tolkien. I don't really suspect there are other places where I definitely am like willing to entertain that. I mean, you know, that's never my preferred interpretation, right? Because once you go there, the discussion's over. Um, and I dislike that on, on principle. But um, but I would also say this seems to me an unusual or, or perhaps an unlikely um, uh, kind of mistake uh, for 
um, Tolkien to make here. And the, the reason I say that is... The reason I say that is the kind of mistake it seems to me that he's more likely to make is one of imperfect retcon. Uh, that is, imperfectly imposing uh, continuity upon changes that he had been making, right? So, for instance, we've seen, we see other instances uh, that um, we have. Uh, uh, you know, a character who is like one character, and then as Tolkien revises, he totally changes almost everything about that character, right? But the character is still like, he keeps a great deal of like the dialogue word for word and even a lot of the descriptions and actions and things, but it's now a totally different context, right? In that place, it, 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 in a moment like that, that's where I would be especially alert for a, a sort of a slip like this. Um, so if, for instance, the Wraiths, you know, the Black Riders were, like, imagine, say, the Black Riders were originally human, right? They were, like, human bad guys. And then Tolkien was like, no, wait, I'm going to make them Wraiths, right? And that's going to be cooler. And then he goes back and and retcons the Wraiths in, right? Some descriptions and um, uh, some descriptions or actions that he would have for them could be like survivals from that earlier concept, right? That's a kind of thing that we can see sometimes Tolkien making what appears to be a mistake uh, about, but that's not the case here, right? Um, the wraiths are wraiths from the beginning. I mean, literally when the, uh, the black horse comes around the corner and he's like, I have no idea what this is. Um, they're, they're wraiths from the beginning. And this element of the wraiths, this, the sniffing, of course, like this again, literally scene one, Right is the sniffing. Uh, the visual impairment of the wraiths is something consistent throughout. So that again, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying for this reason, because this element of the wraiths does not seem to be something that changes a whole lot over time. I'm, I'd be a little surprised if uh, this were just a just an error, kind of in that way. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> I like Ambrosia so Aurelianus' uh, uh, theory that the two voxes, the two, two voices are actually two foxes uh, communicating with each other because everybody, the fo- goodness knows, the foxes are keeping an eye out on things, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Matt, I mean, that seems to me fair. Matt points out that it might be worth looking at this in the light of the last time this happened. A ringwraith is silhouetted on a hill and has a vague sense the hobbits in the one ring are before him, just like in the Shire, right? In the Marish, um, when they see him up on the slope that they came down, right? Uh, in which they fancy he's not going to want to bring his horse down, right? Um, he cries out to a fellow and his fellow responds, then they, they then try to triangulate and find the hobbits. Here, the ringwraiths know the company is on the move, but not necessarily where they're going or at least which direction they're headed in. They have to regroup after their route and need to start triangulating again. Yes. Um, remember that, and and route, I do think, I know you guys were t- discussing this before and I kind of missed the boat on this because I was still on paragraph one, but um, 
I, that, especially in light of the analysis we've been doing at the attack under Weathertop, I am more and more convinced that route is the correct word here. Um, when the, I would not be surprised to discover that the ring rates not only like had run, run off that night, but had been scattered, uh, on that night. Um, because, uh, and that the, the ring rates themselves need to regroup. One of the primary things that I would point to in support of that theory, which may or may not be true, is that Strider thinks they might be back like that night, right? He's He is not at all certain that they are safe even then, right, before they set out the next day. Um, so uh, that's... Um, that suggests to me that the riders, you know, the, the ring wraiths have been discomfited to a greater extent than, um, uh, than even Strider guessed or suspected. Right. Um, yeah. Um, Tony, I think they're routed even more than they were in Crick Hollow. In Crick Hollow, they at least kept together and they left under their own power. Right. And they, uh, they even performed an act of malice on the way out, right? Riding down the gate, the guards at the gates, right on their way out. So they, um, they at least injured or possibly even killed uh, a hobbit or two um, on the on the way out, right? So they they kept their composure to some extent, though I think that they did leave expeditiously on purpose. Um, but um, but anyway, uh, it, it's. The flight, I think, the, and and there was no screaming. I, there's no evidence that the ring wraiths were, shri- you know, were screaming as they were leaving. Whereas uh, there is a scream, which I believe to be coming from the Witch King, uh, as they leave. So I do think that they are uh, that they are sort of scattered. It's not that I think they're necessarily going to have a hard time finding each other, right? But again, I think this is not just like they have made a tactical withdrawal for now and now they're kind of holding off. So one of the things that I think, to me, it's it's almost necessary, right? I, I cannot imagine. If the ring rates retreated in good order, uh, uh, you know, again, in, uh, in to use like military terminology, right? If they retreated in good order from the attack under Weathertop, why on earth do they not attack the next night? I mean, I cannot see the first reason why they don't do that. Yes, do they think that Frodo has received a fatal wound? Yeah, sure. That does not explain why they do not attack again. And by attack again, I mean, notice notice what is emphasized there in the second paragraph, right? Um, they dreaded the dark hours and kept watching pairs by night, expecting at any time to see black shapes stalking in the gray night. Notice what, th- what they're not expecting. They're not expecting to see figures racing towards them with brandishing swords, right? That's not what they're expecting. Even to see them around the camp, near the camp, right, is what they're afraid of. Um, and uh, and they, f- they, 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 they don't hear anything, right? Um, not once did they feel the sense of present evil that had assailed them before the attack in the dell. In other words, the ringwraiths aren't even surrounding them. You've got to think, right? Even if, even if the Witch King is 100% confident that f- the wound, right, the splinter of the, of the, of the blade in the wound is going to do the job, right? Even if he's feeling, okay, the wraithification process is going to proceed apace. 
you know, that hobbit, the ring bearer is ours. It's just a matter of time, right? If Even if he's 100% confident of that, surely, surely they're going to be playing some kind of games, right? They're going to, they're going to launch their spiritual attack, right? They're going to, they're going to surround the camp at night, even if they don't do anything, right? They're going to surround the camp at night. They're going to be like despair, horror, fear, right? Um, hoping to get them to, you know, flee and scatter and then they can move in and, and, you know, help accelerating the ratification process. I mean, again, I just, so what, we're going to keep our distance. We're going to stay really far away and just like yell occasionally, I, that's not a plan, right? That's even for somebody who's confident that Frodo is going to sooner or later fall into their hands. Like that's not a plan. And, and I don't, I don't really, I, I can't see that as a plan. I can't really accept that, um, as a plan. Um, so yes. And I, I agree with what many of you have, um, um, have been saying. There is every reason to think that the Nazgul themselves need some recovery time here, right? They've just had a uh, close encounter, right? I mean, I, I, I see every reason to believe that Frodo calling out I, Elbereth Gilthonio was not only a bit of elvish magic, right? Not only the blessing that um, Gildor placed upon him as an elf friend manifesting itself, but a particular kind, right? It was the blessing of Gildor the Elf, which uh, then also led him to, uh, or, you know, led for, uh, it was an invocation of Albereth, right? And I think she heard, right? So, um, yeah, it's, uh, they, and uh, Tony, was it you who were saying before? Um, uh, the, the, The encounter with Elbereth, like, it, this is a big deal, right? As uh, Lincoln says, the hobbits uh, didn't just have a, a Nazgul encounter. The Nazgul had, like, a Valar encounter, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know what it takes, what they need to do uh, to recoup from that, right? But it looks like it's non-zero, right? I, I, again, I, I, I that seems to me the implication here. Um and, um, you know, and I agree with you, um, Mike, that second sentence of the second paragraph is kind of shocking, right? Before the first day's march was over, Frodo's pain began to grow again, but he did not speak of it for a long time. Um, okay, so the first paragraph is all like the first day. They cross the road. It sounds like the enemy is closing in, right? This could end any, surely tonight, right? There's going to be trouble on this night, right? When they finally camp again, and now the darkness closes in, and those voices in the distance start closing the, the, the game, right? I mean, they're being, they've been seen, they're being stalked, and, the, and now, like, the pain is already increasing again. He had the cold chill going down his side, and now he's, like, and now the pain has returned, and it's, it, this is going to get bad, right? And then, Mike, exactly as you say, it just, Four days passed. Wait, what? Really? Four days passed? Nothing happened for a four? I mean, okay, like more walking, more being afraid, more pain in Frodo, Frodo's side, uh, more trudging and bowing under burdens for his friends. Sure, I get all that, right? But that's 
<laughs> that's 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 all that happened. The Nazgul haven't done anything, right? And I again, I cannot understand that in any other way than um, to uh, to imagine like, they, they they're hurting, right? They, or even they're afraid. They don't want to close in. They they don't they that they, they, they don't know. Now I, I saw some of you debating before whether or not Frodo could pull this out again sometime, right? Uh, I mean, does he just have to drop the e bomb again, and the same thing's going to happen again? Um, there are two different questions here, though, right? First, would that actually happen? Right? That is, would it work uh, if he did? You know, now that he knows the magic word, could he just could he just speak the magic words and and uh, and have? Uh, you know, have the instant uh, Nazgul repellent spell function again, right? Um, I uh, I get that. Uh, do I think that would happen? Would it happen the same way again the second time? Again, it's not a magic word, right? And and Elbereth isn't a genie in a bottle, so I, I don't. I'd be a little surprised if it would do exactly the same thing a second time. But as I said, there are two questions. The first question is, would it work? The second question is, do the Nazgul know that it won't work? <laughs> right? I mean, you know, I, I I can imagine some of those Nazgul having a little PTSD uh, post the attack under Weathertop, right? I mean, you got to imagine that they're going to get the cold shakes when they think back to the whole Elbereth Gilthonial experience that they just had, right? Um, so, uh yeah. <laughs> JJ is suggesting an actual translation of the cold voice calling would have been, ah, hobbits, run away. <laughs> quite possibly, quite possibly. Now, um, we know um, there is one. Um, there is one thing that. Uh, and I'm sorry, I'm missing. I'm sorry, I'm scanning through here. Um, who uh, who said this? And I can't remember who said it here. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Erukeb's comment, which I missed before. Kamu is wishing again and again for his cold, dark room in Minas Morgul. Not for the last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So um, uh, uh, this is. Um, it's a re- OK. Evil Dr. Cannon. There. It was you. Um, it was you. Um, Evil Dr. Cannon had said, well, the regrouping is probably waiting until the nine of them can get back together again. Right. Um, that may well be what regrouping looks like. Um, but again, this seems to me, that's, that seems to me a move by the Witch King, not untainted by the kind of PTSD reaction that we're discussing here, right? This is, again, if we read this, if I'm reading this correctly, right? If our, if our reading, if I could presume that you agree with me, which I know you don't, you don't all, but anyway, um, assuming for instance, for, for, for a moment that we're all like-minded here, uh, if our reading that, uh, basically that the the Nazgul were routed there, you know, that they uh, did not quite completely fail, 
in the attack under weather. They, they, they lost the exchange under Weathertop, right? They did wound Frodo. So it wasn't a total loss, right? It was not a, it, it was not a shutout, right, uh, by the Hobbits and Strider. And they were, they were in very serious danger. But in any case, um, they're not going to be eager to try this again, right? He's going to be like, okay, we attacked them with the five of us. I sent the four to chase off Gandalf and make sure that he doesn't join them, right? And I thought the five of us would be enough to take them. We weren't, right? That did not work out. So I'm going to wait for the rest of them, right? Let's, uh, let's not, no chances next time, right? All, it's going to be all nine or nothing, right? If we're going to, if we're going to go at these people again. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I, that seems to, and we don't know that that's exactly what they were thinking, but this we do know. They're not going to meet the Nazgul until they're all nine together again. Um, that could just be a coincidence, right? But I'd rather think not. In fact, I can't believe that it's not. And that's, it's literally the only explanation that makes any sense. Think about this geographically now as well, right? Um, hey, I have a visual aid for thinking about this geographically. Okay. Let us look at the map. This is the Lotro map, but still. Um, think about this geographically. We've got our, 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 our rivers here. Here's Weathertop, right? We've got our two rivers, right? Here's the uh, Mithaethel and here's the Bruinen that they have to cross here on the dotted line on their way to Rivendell, right? Um, the four have run off, right? The four have gone chasing Gandalf off towards Rivendell. In fact, we know that he has led them on a merry chase up here to the north, right up near the Etnmores, and he's come back around uh, to Rivendell from the north, right? So Gandalf goes way out of his way, uh, uh, leading four of the Nazgul on a chase. But in any case, the Witch King knows that four of his mounted, keep in mind, and therefore much faster, right? Much more mobile uh, units, right? Are off at least close to between uh, these hobbits and this one, these four hobbits and this one guy on foot, right? Um, So there's no way that these guys could get the Rivendell before those four could come down and hopefully cut them off, right? Or at least join in, right? So the only, the the Witch King, I, I, I do not accept... It just doesn't seem to me to make sense that he has the motivation to hold back and be like, it's okay. I'm just going to wait on the splinter. I'm good, right? He'd do something if he was going to do something, but he's not doing something. So I don't think he's going to do something. I think he's waiting for the nine, right? So he's holding back uh, and maybe they're trying to communicate. Maybe maybe the cold voices calling and answering have to do with um, uh, attempting to, to reach, to communicate. Um, with uh, uh, with the other ringwraiths, right? Um, yeah, Arden Cran, we have every reason to believe that they are stronger when all nine are together. Yes, there are several several good reasons we have to believe that this actually improves their ability, right? Um, so, okay. Uh, if the five of them kind of stay not 
too close, right? Nearby, but not too close. And again, why would they stay not too close if they're not afraid, right? If they don't think that something bad could happen from them getting too close, because they should know that from their perspective, much good can happen. That is the creeping out and ultimate, like, terrifying of their victims, right? That's what would happen if they got close, but they're making sure not to do anything so advantageous as that, right? And again, the only, or at least to me, the best, um, uh, the best explanation that I can think of for that is that they're nervous, right? They're worried, um, and they're not really sure what's going to happen. Um, keep in mind, they know a lot more than the hobbits about a lot of things, right? I'm betting you the Witch King, Frodo doesn't know how to understand what happened to him, right? He hears himself crying out, you know, I, Elbereth, Gilthoniel for some reason, and then the Witch King, Witch King runs away. He's just been stabbed. He is terrified. He had the ring on anyway, and, and he doesn't know what happened, right? I think the Witch King knows what happened, right? And again, I don't think he knows that it's not going to happen again. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> JJ says, this is why Mary's stroke is so effective later on. It's not the blade, uh, but the vision of a hobbit bringing back bad memories that causes the witch king to flinch. I uh, probably not, but that's a good theory. I kind of like that, right? You know, that him being like, ah, a hobbit. Sorry, this, the, the, the idea of the witch king being terrified of hobbits is kind of fun. I don't think it's quietly we can take it quite that far really but it is undeniably uh fun um yeah yeah um exactly uh, matt's thinking it through from the nazgul point of view here too they closed in when the ring bearer jumped into their world waited until their leader reader leader struggled forward against uh the surprising resistance then called on the power of Elberth to scatter them. This looks like a cause for drawing back and reconsidering his tactics. Yes, yes. Let's do that again. I, yeah, no. I don't, that, that, that does not seem like a good plan, right? And the Witch King seems like a little bit um, uh, too much of a planner uh, to just jump straight into that, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's an interesting point as well, Mike. Mike is also thinking back to uh, um, Crick Hollow, right? And how, although it's not like Fatty Bulger defeated the Ringwraiths, um, it is yet another example of the standard Nazgul tactics not working out, right? I mean, notice again what they did. What do they do? They surrounded the place and they stood there and did nothing for hours and hours, right? Just letting the sense of their presence, the fear rolling off of them, right? Completely subdue the hobbits, the hobbit in the house, right? Who, of course, was not subdued and had booked it out the back door as soon as they opened the gate, right? Um, it's not like, and it's not like Fatty Bulger resisted them. It's not like Fatty Bulger beat them, but their tactic failed. It didn't work. And they were, they get run out, right? Uh, uh, by the brandy bucks. Um, so, yeah, it's true. 
Tony, it's also true that that both Farmer Maggot and Gaffer Camji also gave him a, a a lot of lip. Yeah, it's true. It's true. The um the resilience of the hobbits, the uh, extent to which they have been surprisingly, if not necessarily impervious to, at least very unexpectedly, you could imagine the Ringwraiths being surprised at how unexpectedly resistant and resilient the hobbits are. Like, this should have worked, right? Even again, even the wound, right? This, that should have worked. Like, I, I know I marked the guy, right? I, I mean, I know I dropped my knife and I, like, ran out of my cloak and left my cloak standing there in a Nazgul shape to then fall on the ground, um, you know, like in, a, like in Looney Tunes. True, but I, I, I totally hit him, man. Like, I know I hit him. So he should be a wraith within, you know, a day, two days tops, right? Um, except that doesn't happen either, right? So again, what are the Nazgul thing? What's, what, what's the Witch King thinking? Why? What the heck? Right? Why is he not a wraith yet? What is this guy? Who are these people? What kind of resources do they have? Did they heal the wound? Like, did they did they seriously overcome that wound right there? Like, is he not even injured anymore? If he's not injured, how did this? I mean, seriously, they um, they, uh. We, you know, we were talking about the kind of fog of war from the Hobbit's perspective, right? But what about from the Nazgul perspective? Um, you know what? Uh, um, you know what it reminds me of, actually. Uh, it reminds me of that one of my favorite moments in Watership Down, right? That moment when uh, when Bigwig fights Woundwart to a standstill in the Great Burrow. And then says that he is going to remain there. And then Bigwig says he's going to remain there, remain there blocking that run because his chief rabbit told him to. Right. And Woundwort starts imagining, right, like his chief rabbit, like there's somebody who is obviously bigger and tougher than Bigwig, because if he weren't bigger and tougher than Bigwig would be chief rabbit. So there's somebody else. So like he starts imagining this like like an undescribably horrifying, right, chief rabbit lurking in the background. Right. Um uh, and, 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 and runs away, right? Even though had he persisted, he would have won, right? Or had he sent Ravain in, he would have won. Um, anyway, uh, it's, I, 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 I think the Nazgul are a little, uh, uh, uncertain here, right? Are a little, uh, uh, unclear about what they're facing. And some of it, I think might be, um, uh, some of it might be, the uh the the fact that the hobbits are turning out to be different than they expected right they are not um they are definitely not this is not panning out the way it was supposed to and again we're not even talking about like what the strategy had been or 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 something like that what i mean is they know the kind of effect that they have on people right they've seen that before in fact when Tolkien is retconning the Bree stuff, one of the things that he and this you can was one of those things you can read about in Unfinished Tales, right? When he gives a backstory to the squint-eyed Southerner, right? The squint-eyed Southerner being a spy of Saruman who was sent north, who is overtaken on the road by the Ringwraiths, and they don him so that they have they have done so he becomes they repurpose him, right? Um, they completely override his will. It doesn't take much. Right. Um, and they turn him from the tool of Saruman to the terrified tool of the Nazgul. And that's what he's doing up there 
in Bree, right? This is the story that Tolkien develops, again, later after the publication of The Lord of the Rings. He worked out that story. Again, the point is, they know the kind of effect that they have on people, right? And what have they seen instead, right? They, they're, Tony, as you point out, they're getting lip from Farmer Maggot and Gaffer Gamgee, right? Uh, they get Gaffer Gamgee. Uh, it's not quite a Thanor slamming his door in the face of the mightiest, you know, creature in Arda thing like we get in the Silmarillion, but Gaffer Gamgee saying, good night to you, and, and slamming his door in the face of the Nazgul is kind of, you know, in its smaller scale, kind of parallel, you know what I mean? Um, so anyway, I, I definitely, um, I definitely think that they're, they've got to be a little, I mean, again, think back to farmer maggot, right? We will come back with gold. Oh no, you won't. He says, you'll go back the way you came from double sharp right now. This is him reporting, right? So maybe in fact, he was a little bit more freaked out than, you know, perhaps he's making himself out to be over a little more confident than he actually was in the moment, but still, he still, uh, did send those writers to the right abouts. Um, clearly their effect. On, so again, thinking about it from the Nazgul perspective, okay, we've had, you know, we've not really calculated correctly when it comes to interacting with hobbits, right? And now we got beaten. The five of us lost because we didn't come out with our objective, right? We did not emerge with a living or a wraithified ring bearer, right? Uh, from that attack. Uh, and instead we got, uh, uh, we got scattered. Like there was, Something quite incalculable happened, and uh, you know we um, um, we don't know what happened. So um, anyway, lots of reasons to think that the Nazgul would be a little bit uncertain. And what are they going to do in that situation? What they're going to do is wait until all nine are together, because whatever happens, that's going to be their best odds, right? The way that they can improve their chances of uh, uh, doing anything, right, is to get all nine of them together. Uh, then they'll have another go, right? And like I said, remember, um, uh, remember that um, the wound, again, the wound, right? They... That should have worked, right? That should have worked, the wound. It hasn't worked yet. They've got to know that. I think they've got to know that. Because if Frodo had turned into a wraith under their dominion, he'd have come to them, right? He'd have come to them in the darkness. Um, I think that, uh, you know, that's... Uh, yeah. Um, so he's got to know that Frodo has not succumbed to the wound yet what would be what possible explanation could there be for that nobody certainly not those half pint little things are not going to be able to just hold out right therefore logically there's elf magic involved right so there must have been, like that there must have been some elf healing that happened right great okay so somebody who can just like up and heal that wound is now in play Maybe they got gotten reinforcements, which of course they're gonna get before too long. Especially since, of course, as we will discover, they know that Glorfindel is in play, right? So anyway, um, yeah, 
<laughs> Bruinier is wondering what would have happened if they had had Lobelia and her umbrella with them. <laughs> yes. I, I, I could imagine Lobelia going for one of the ringwraiths with her umbrella. Or at least threatening them, them with it, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Mad Violinist says, By all the signs, Captain Witch King, there's a large elf warrior on the loose. Yeah, there's precedent for this kind of thing, right? Um, it, it, that, that scene, of course, with Sam in the Tower of Kirithungal is a really great one to remember in moments like this, right? One of the things that we see very explicitly at that in that scene, which we don't get explicitly in other places, but again, which I think we have enough evidence to kind of begin to do ourselves, is what does this look like from the enemy's perspective? Um, because it probably does not look the same as it looks to the hobbits. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oakwig, I'd have to look at the, somebody, somebody look up the chronology. Um, at what point? Okay. Cause I can't remember offhand. Um, when does Gorfindel chase them off the bridge? Obviously it's before Strider and the hobbits get there, but in relation to, I mean, it's obviously, and it's gotta be between these two. So it doesn't really matter. I guess that is between the crossing of the road and the, uh, and the crossing of the bridge, right? Um, clearly, it's sometime in there that you know, during those days that Glorfindel, um chases them off the bridge. But, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, okay. Um, cool. Thank you, map, my visual aid. Um, let's... Uh, Five days after the attack. Okay, so it's it's tomorrow from the time of that uh, of this second paragraph here. Okay, good, good. So it hasn't quite happened yet, and when that does happen again, you got to think there's going to be now additional concern. Um, Gorfindel is scary enough that they run away when he comes, right? And so now he is. They've already lost five on five, right? And now they've got Gorfindel. Too. So clearly, like they've got to get all they've got to get all nine. All right. I agree, Tony. <laughs> let's let's do a second slide. At the end of the fifth day, okay, so Gorfindel has just chased them off the bridge. At the end of the fifth day, the ground began once more to rise slowly out of the wide shallow valley into which they had descended. Strider now turned their course again northeastwards, and on the sixth day they reached the top of a long slow climbing slope, and saw far ahead a huddle of wooded hills. Away below them they could see the road sweeping round the feet of the hills, and to their right a grey river gleamed pale in the thin sunshine. In the distance they glimpsed yet another river, in a stony valley half-veiled in mist. "'I'm afraid we must go back to the road here for a while,' said Strider. "'We have now come to the river Horwell, that the elves call Mithaethel. It flows down out of the Ettenmoors, the Trollfells, north of Rivendell, and joins the Loudwater away in the south.' Some call it the Grey Flood after that. It is a great water before it finds the sea. There is no way over it below its sources in the Ettenmoors, except by the last bridge on which the road crosses. What is that other river we can see far away there? said Mary, asked Mary. That is Loudwater, the Bruinen of Rivendell, answered Strider. The road runs along the edge of the hills for many miles from the bridge to the ford of Bruinen. I have not yet thought how we shall cross that water. One river at a time. We shall be fortunate indeed if we do not find the last bridge held against us. Okay. So, 
they are um the ground began once more to rise slowly out of the wide shallow valley into which they descended right okay so they're 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 going uphill again now before the river's going to sort of cut through these hills right as we're going to see um they uh uh they see far ahead a huddle of wooded hills, uh, and then they see the road sweeping round the feet of the hills, uh, up going up to the to the to the river. So notice this sense of exposure, right? Um, the hills are nice, right? They have the higher ground. They're not going to be really visible. They're wooded hills as well, right? And then there's this there's this lowland with the with the not only the road running through it but the river and the single river crossing up ahead right remember the theory um uh remember the theory that was voiced in the previous by the narrator in the previous paragraph which seemed to be again sort of extrapolating from their worried thoughts right um why are the nazgul not attacking they must just be biding their time, right? They must be just setting up an ambush, right? Um, and so they're, this is obviously the place, right? Um, Strider is obviously worried. This is the big gamble. Crossing the road was a small gamble. This is a big gamble, right? We shall be fortunate indeed if we do not find the last road, uh, the last bridge held against us, right? Um, they have... They have got to cross at this place. And remember, the Nazgul are mounted. They are not. So obviously the Nazgul could get to this spot easily before they could. So maybe they're, they've just been setting an ambush for us. right? They're not trying to find us in the wilderness. They're just waiting for us to come here because they know that we have to come here. Okay. Um... And yes, JJ, you're absolutely right. Uh, Strider would have been right about the bridge being held against them. They were, in fact, holding the bridge against them, if not for Gorfindel. Um, now, so yes, fortunate indeed is in fact exactly what they are, right? Now, think about the rivers for a second. There was some discussion about this on the discussion board. I didn't put the slide up at the beginning, but uh, there was some discussion about the rivers. Um it's so, uh, and it, yes, it is clear as uh, a couple of you were discussing uh, there on the discussion boards that Tolkien is drawing upon traditional, both classical and just traditional fairy tale uh, lore of rivers as boundaries that ghosts, especially, aren't able, you know, ghosts and spirits aren't able to cross uh, or unwilling or both or whatever. Um, yes, that's very common uh, in. Uh, in sort of ghost lore, right? Uh, Bram Stoker remembers it, which is why Dracula can't cross running water ex except at the uh, the change of the tide, right? Um, uh, you know, when like, you know, the movement of the water is being sort of mitigated against at these moments of transition. Well, that's a different theory for Dracula anyway. Anyway, the point is um, that um, uh we know that crossing rivers is awkward. Um, it's, it's, it's very clear that they don't like crossing rivers. Um, but it is equally clear that they can cross rivers. They've not gotten as far as they have without crossing rivers. Um, so we know they came up the Greenway. Um, I, that's 
what happened, right? So they must, and remember that there isn't even a good bridge at Tharbad anymore. Boromir, who also came up that way, lost his horse, like his horse was killed as he was trying to cross the river at Tharbad. Um, so, um, by the way, um, little, little kind of, uh, Easter egg there. Some call it the Grey Flood after that. It is a great water before it f- finds the sea. Here's the sentence. There is no way over it below its sources in the Etten Moors, except by the last bridge on which the road crosses. Unless you're Boromir, then you can cross it, right? Because apparently he did. Um, but um, anyway, yeah. No, I agree. It's not, the running water is not a barrier to the wraiths. Um, but it does seem that the wraiths don't love it. Um, but it's interesting here, isn't it? That in this, in these scenes, it's turned around almost backwards, right? Um, that is to say, the rivers are obstacles that the company is going to have a hard time crossing and that the Nazgul are using to their advantage, right? Um, as choke points, not as spiritual obstacles of some kind, as purely physical uh, obstacles. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, so Ambrosius Aurelianus, it's when Strider says, um, I've not yet thought how we shall cross that water. His problem, I think, is not like, can we do the Ford of Bruinen? Yes, he's familiar with the Ford of Bruinen. He will have crossed that many times. I, again, I think it's a choke point question. Like, he's ex- he's got to be expecting that if the Nazgul are waiting to ambush them, these are the two spots, right? Um, if the last bridge is not held against them, surely the uh, Ford will be held against them. And in fact, it will be. Right. Both. He, he would have been right on both counts, of course, as we said, except for Gorfindel. Um, so I, I think that it's it's just how to circumvent. Like, is there any other alternative? He's trying to think of some clever way around. Like, is there any other possibility? Could we make a raft? I don't even know. Like what? You know, how else could we do this? Um, is there any alternative to going the way that they expect us to go? So where and where they're very certain to be waiting for us. And indeed, they are waiting for us there. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Ooh, Oakwig, no, you're right. You're right. I was forgetting that. I was forgetting that line. He lost his horse at Tharbad, meaning he just literally lost it, right? I didn't. I never said died. I said he lost it, right? So, as Treebeard would say. Yes, they, you're right. The Rohirrim did say that the horse they sent, they, uh, they lent to him came back riderless. Yes. So the horse made it, just not across, right? <laughs> he got separated from his horse, and the horse was like, "Yeah, keep going, man. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm out. I'm going home." Right? There was nothing in my contract about this river. Um, uh, yeah, 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 um, yeah. Now, Eric, have I agree that? a ford would be less friendly to the riders than a bridge. Um, so the main choke point would have to be the last bridge. Yes, I agree. And again, that's why he says we'll be fortunate indeed, right? The indeed being an emphasis uh, 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 for emphasis there. We'll be fortunate indeed if we don't find uh, the last 
bridge held against us. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> JJ, was the, was the horse's name pliable? Nice. Uh, with the obscure Pilgrim's Progress references. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, probably not. I wouldn't like to think that of the horse of the Rohirrim, but, um, uh, Tony is wanting to Boromir travel to Rohan on foot and then borrow a horse from there. I'm kind of thinking they gave him a new horse. I think they probably upgraded his horse, uh, would be my guess that he came on a horse. I think he would have had to have taken a horse from Gondor. I can't imagine he just set out on foot maybe, but I think they probably just upgraded his horse. Um, uh, but then it, then it turned around and came home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. How well, having gotten into the slide shifting, I want to keep going. Um, let's do one more. Next day, early in the morning, they came down again to the borders of the road. Sam and Strider went forward but they found no sign of any travelers or riders. Here, under the shadow of the hills, there had been some rain. Strider judged that it had fallen two days before, and had washed away all footprints. No horsemen had passed since then, as far as he could see. They hurried along with all the speed they could make, and after a mile or two, they saw the last bridge ahead, at the bottom of a short, steep slope. They dreaded to see black figures waiting there, but they saw none. Strider made them take cover in a thicket at the side of the road, while he went forward to explore. Before long, he came hurrying back. I can see no sign of the enemy, he said, and I wonder very much what that means. But I have found something very strange. He held out his hand and showed a single pale green jewel. I found it in the mud in the middle of the bridge, he said. It is a barrel, an elf stone. Whether it was set there or let fall by chance, I cannot say but it brings hope to me. I will take it as a sign that we may pass the bridge, but beyond that I dare not keep to the road without some clearer token. Okay. Um, Yeah, Tony is pointing out that uh, uh, once again Strider and Sam are together at the forefront, right? Um, uh, Yeah, Sam and Strider went forward. Yes. Yeah. Um, Again. The real leaders of the expedition at this point, clearly, right? Um, good. All right. So, um, I can see no sign of the enemy, and I wonder very much what that means, right? It's interesting that he has no guess, right? That I actually find kind of interesting um, because he's met Gorfindel <laughs> before, right? Um, is he just, and, and Gandalf might've come back, right? He knows that Gandalf is around. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm not really... Um, 
Yeah, and Mike is is wondering: are are we beyond the point where he would hold back his guesses? Yeah, I don't know, but it this doesn't this sound again a little bit, um, uh, um. Doesn't it sound a little bit like him again, just kind of playing things really close to the vest, right? Not wanting to say what he guesses. Um, I can see no sign of the enemy, and I wonder very much what that means, but I have found something very strange. Um, Now, what an elf stone exactly is, is very unclear, right? Um, I guess I was seeing uh, whose comment was that. Um, yes. Erukeb saying, an elf stone, it brings hope to me. Uh, and thus an entire Lotro game mechanic was born. Yes, yes, exactly. It was. Um, and by the way, Erukeb, I love that. Right? I love, uh, I love moments in Lotro where, like, whether it's a mechanic in the game, or a moment in the story when like the line of text that inspired that like pops into my head. Like I, I can quote the line that I know they were reading right when they came up with that. I, I really, uh, I really love that. Um, yeah. Um, right now, JJ, it doesn't necessarily have to be someone sent out from Rivendell. It could be from a traveling band like Gildor's. I mean, he seems to have heard from Gildor somehow about Frodo, right? So, um, you know, Gildor's said he's going to send the news around. Um, uh, yeah. Now, I mean, Gildor being there would be, frankly, just as good news as uh, Gorfindel being there, I have to think, right? Or, or at least pretty close to it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Matt, I, I do agree it could well be uh, Strider thinking this is too good to be true, or it might be too good to be true. Um, yeah. <laughs> Tony, I agree it is really interesting that we get his past and future names delivered by him in like two lines, right? Uh, Elfstone and hope, right? Hope is what he was called. Elfstone is what he's going to be called, right? Um, That seems like a good sign, Aragorn, right? Notice how he is, um, (laughs) notice how he is, uh, he's interpreting this as a sign, right? And by sign, I think, I think he's not saying, okay, I'm going to interpret this as a message left for us deliberately by an elf. Right. Um, now that's one possibility, right? Whether it was set here would be, would imply that it was a message for him. Right. I am putting the, you know, I Gorfindel and putting this elf stone, uh, in the road here, in order to convey to you that it's safe, right? As a sign that this is safe and that you can come ahead. Um, so it is possible that he's, that Aragorn here is saying, okay, if I'm, if I'm interpreting this sign here correctly by this elf, right? Whoever put the stone here, I think it means that it's safe, right? But I think that he's um, interpreting this much more broadly, Right. Because we've seen him use exactly this same 
phrase before. Remember that he took the wood that they found in the dell under Weathertop as a sign, right? What should you do, Aragorn? Should you make a run for it, right? Or should you try to ford up there in this indefensible dell in the low ground, right? But where there's firewood, so you could make a rip-roaring fire and you could keep it going all night because there's nice stacked wood right there, right? Um, to, which might help you to be able to fight off the uh, to, 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 to fight off the, the ring wraiths. And he says, I will take this wood that has been laid ready as a sign. Right. So, uh, he allows circumstances to guide him. And here I see this as him interpreting providence, right? Him saying, um, we, uh, I think that this is the right thing for us to do. Right. I think that circumstances have been arranged in such a way as to suggest we should do this. Right. That's what I hear. I don't think that he's saying, okay, missing elf person or like unknown elf person. Am I reading you right? And, and perhaps in some sense there is an element of that, but I don't think that's the primary sense of it. I think that he, what he's reading is providence here. Um, again, even just thinking back to his own words on the previous page. We shall be fortunate indeed if we do not find the last bridge held against us. And he gets there and is like, dang, we are fortunate indeed, right? Um, uh, luck of an unusual kind is with us here today. Uh, Strider might say, though he didn't, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, exactly. Uh, too old says, uh, more a message from chance. If, if chance you call it exactly, it's a message from chance. Um, he, he's not going to mess around with that. That is, he's not going to mess around with that. If chance you call it right. Um, again, the people who know more than the hobbits about how the world works, people like Gildor and Tom Bombadil, um, uh, don't actually believe in coincidence, right? Um, I don't think Strider believes in coincidence either. Um, yeah. Um, Tony's wondering if the use of the elf stone was specifically meant for Aragorn as a message to him that only he would understand as it's one of his names, like a code. Well, let me um, let me put it this way. Um, hang on a second. Sorry. I think Eduardo Nunez just hit a pinch hit three run home run in the bottom of the seventh, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that is a backbreaker. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, I, uh, I don't think, um, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a, it's, I don't think he's interpreting it as a message like that, because if he were interpreting it as a, if it were a message of that kind, right? Um, like a code that he understands, he is being completely disingenuous, right? In his response, right? I mean, he's going to be like, well, you know, I mean, if his response is whether it was set there, or let fall by chance, I can't say, uh, but, you know, I, I, I don't really know. I'm going to take it as I think it might be OK. Right. Is he just faking it there. Like he knows, you know, he's going to see he's like, 
Okay, wink, wink, like, this is a sign for me. I know what this means, but I'm not going to let on that I know what this means. I can't imagine he's, if he, remember, when we've seen him play things close to the vest before, it was scary things, right? Before he was like, I'm not sure what that light in the darkness means, right? Or I'm not sure what's going on here. What he was not saying was, there is a non-zero chance that Gandalf might have been killed, right? Um, we might be going to find the corpse of Gandalf the Grey, right? Is what he's not saying to the hobbits. And that seems totally reasonable for him to withhold that piece of information from them, right? It clearly would would tend towards their... Um, their positive uh, outlook to not be thinking about that, not be thinking that he might be thinking about that here. He'd be withholding positive information, right? Like I have very good reason to believe that we have a positive ally, like a, a, a powerful ally uh, who is helping us and protecting us as we go. Like if he's got real reason to think that you'd think he'd mention it, <laughs> right? That he wouldn't be all like, well, maybe it's just chance. Who knows, right? That's just like being mysterious for the sake of being, uh, being mysterious. And I don't, uh, I don't understand um, why he would, why he would do that. So, um, anyway, that's, um, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, my, my apologies to people who are confused by the brief baseball interruption. Just remember, we're having class tonight. I was considering just canceling class so I could watch the whole game, but I didn't. So all we've had is one confusing interruption and a couple brief distractions during tense moments. But... So far, I think I think we've had a net gain on the holding class tonight, despite the fact that the World Series is going on. Um, anyway, so yeah, I, I I definitely don't think that he knows. Um, uh, there is a little bit of um, there is a little bit of pessimism, conservatism. I'm not quite sure what to call it. Um, he is not quick to jump to happy conclusions here, right? I mean, there's a lot of good... He's got two pieces of pretty strong evidence, right? One. Um, uh, evidence number one uh, is that the Black Riders are not there, right? I mean, come on, like, you don't have to be a master tactician to know that, like, maybe at least throwing up some sentries here. You know what I mean? At least make it difficult. I mean, come on. This is a choke point. It's the only way they can possibly cross this river. If they don't cross at this bridge, they don't get to Rivendell and are staying in the wilderness and going to starve to death or whatever. So clearly they're going to come this way. Obviously the Nazgul are going to, uh, uh, are going to be watching this spot. So big piece of evidence. Number one, the Nazgul aren't there, right? Uh, and combine that with piece of evidence number two, there's this elf stone sitting in the middle of the road, right? Um, so, um, um, <laughs> Arden Crown suggests that maybe the Nazgul keep bags of elf stones to weave as bait for traps. <laughs> That's kind of attractive, uh, actually. Um, but, um, anyhow, uh, 
he so he finds this elf stone there there in the middle of the road. Um, he doesn't know what it means. Maybe it was let fall by chance. Maybe it was set there on purpose. But there is an elf stone there. There is evidence that an elf was recently here, not in the last two days, right? But recently here, um, and uh, and there are no Nazgul, right? So those two things, like that, kind of has to be good, right? I mean, that really kind of has to be good, um, no matter what exactly it means, whether it was accidentally dropped because i'm sure that happens all the time i'm sure that you know you know elves are always like riding by on the bridge and like you know fishing around in their pockets and pulling them out and like you know elf stones fall out onto the street as they go by like that probably happens constantly um uh, yeah so um but again the the point is whether it was set there on purpose or whether it was let fall by chance. To Strider, they both, again, he's interpreting chance, right? He's seeing this as a stroke of providence. In one way, whether or not, um, whether or not he, um, uh, whether or not it was, it was set there on purpose doesn't even really matter. In some ways, that thing, uh, the Elfstone dropping by chance would be actually a better sign. <laughs> It'd be kind of more encouraging in its way. Um, because that really suggests uh, Providence is helping things pan out for you here, right? Because, I mean, if that happened just by coincidence, that an elf happened to pass by a couple days ago and he just happened by a freakish coincidence to accidentally drop an elf stone in the road. I mean, come on now. Right. Uh, and then for some reason, the Nazgul are not there. Come on. That's got to be even better than having an elvish ally who's leaving signs for you in the road. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Um, yeah, Tony, I'm not quite sure what makes the elf stone an elf stone here. Um, is it just that it's a barrel? Uh, that's what it sounds like. He says those two things as if they're synonyms. It, it is a barrel, an elf stone, right? Like that's what it barrels are. That sounds like an appositive to me. Um, not like elf stones are a special subset of barrels or something like that. Um, that there is something about barrels which are special to elves in some way. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know how. Um, I don't know why. I don't know how. Do they do something to them? Are they naturally elvish? Or do they, uh, do, I, do they smell like elves? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea what the properties of an elf stone are, what make barrels elf stones. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but, um, uh, but, but there it is. Um, And so he says, I will, we will take it as a sign and cross, which they kind of have to do anyway. So like, since the coast appears to be clear, it would seem a pretty good time to do it under any circumstances. All right. It is, however, getting late. So let's, uh, let's shift to, um, uh, uh, yeah. And Erokheb is right to say that we do know of at least one elf king who kept barrel, pearl, and opal pale, uh, in his hoard. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, this, of course, is a is a tricky one, right? Those of you who are very careful readers, 
uh, may recognize that line, of course, that Erechab is quoting, right? Um, Beryl, pearl, and opal pale, right? Um, uh, is a line, of course, from Gimli's Moria song. So it's like, wait a second, that's Khazad-dum treasure, right? Except it's actually not. Well, I mean, it is, but not originally. Um, those lines, that passage, that part of the Moria song that Gimli sings is actually taken straight out of the Lay of Lathian um, when it was the description of the treasure and the underground, the splendor of the underground home and treasure hoard of Thingol. Uh, the elf of uh, Doriath, the elf king of Doriath. Um, so, yeah, Erokeb is opining that plagiarism is the true cause of enmity between the elves and dwarves. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> on that note, we will end our discussion tonight. Um, see, look at that. We got all the way to the bridge crossing. Right. Oh, my goodness. After spending almost the entire time on the first slide, we then ripped through two more slides. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for joining me. I'm going to say goodbye to the folks on Twitter. Go ahead, go ahead and switch over to twitch.tv. You can see our in-game field trip. We're going to be looking at some we're going to be finishing the, uh, the last of our landscape exploration of uh, of the Lone Lands, looking at uh, the 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 sort of the core of uh, what's going on in the lands of Rudaur there. Uh, as Lotro is is uh, uh, reconstructing these things, uh, interesting both plot-wise and sort of history-wise. Uh, so Twitch.tv/signumu is where we're going to switch over to doing that. Uh, so I'm going to say goodbye to the Twitter folks. Thanks, guys, and we will shift to in-game here. All right. Hi there. Okay, so tonight's a little complicated field trip wise um, those of you who were with us for our field trip last time will remember that uh, we explored pretty much all of uh, Gartha Garwin um, the difference uh, the, the only thing we didn't do were the instances um, and I really wanted to go and do the instances though I, I'm not that keen to take the time required to go through and actually fight my way through all the instances uh, uh, so um What's the what's the status of things here, Valori? Hey, uh, so uh, I am currently in the instance okay. the Barrow, and our friend Flight is um, should be standing by for the fortress. Great. Uh, the fortress is the second one, and Barrow is the first one. So if yes. you want um, to, if there's not a lot of people in the hall, you could probably just build a raid real quick, and then oh, and then we can all go together, and, and you can go into the instance. Hey, that's a keen in idea. Theory. Great. But it is I believe you have to be level thirty two or higher. Okay. So Flight you... has confirmed that they are ready. Okay, great. Great. Okay. So but probably do Barrow first and then we'll go to the other one. Alright, so, I'm gonna invite so actually uh, let me and you're on Valori, right? Mm-hmm. So, fun fact, oh, a... Oh, it says I can't recruit what? in a private encounter. Can you recruit me from a private encounter? Let me see. They might have been too cunning for us in our plan. Could be, could be. Uh... Will it let us go in, in a raid? 
it says you're already in a fellowship. Oh, well, oh, sorry. Yeah, I had started, and then I was realizing that I needed to invite you. So hang on a second. Let me. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Might work better if I invite you. Yeah. Okay, hang on. Let's start again. Okay. okay. You invite me. All right. Hey, that seems to be working. Hey, great. And I got the travel now, so that's perfect. Okay. But let me not do... So, and now you think... If you... If I invite lots of other people, they will also be able uh, to Oh, let come. me convert it to a raid. Let me... Let's see. Convert to a raid. Cannot convert to a raid while in a private instance. Uh, ah. okay, we can't. So we're not going to be able to well, bring lots of people. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> we... Yeah, it's the always... It's you always... never know what you're going to get with the earlier stuff before raids were a thing. Yes, and it's 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 very difficult... There are so many things that are really cool that are in instances, and I know it's it's one of the things which undermines the whole, like, group field trip thing, you know, that I like to do in Exploring the Lord of the Rings. But, of course, we do like to see the instance stuff. So, anyway, mm-hmm. um, you can watch on Twitch. Also, you could just, you could start up the instance yourself so that you can, you know, go through and, and see... Uh, some of the things that yourself that I'm so you can kind of go through it in parallel, um, especially mm-hmm. if you're over level, you could probably romp your way through it relatively. I, quickly. I was able to solo the barrel oh, in 81, 82, except for the final boss. I didn't want to set that in motion or anything, especially since we're just right. looking at buildings. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. We don't want to, we don't want to set that in motion. Okay. Okay. Cool. So fun fact, a green barrel is more commonly known as an emerald. Yes. Yes, so. very much like uh, uh, Aragorn's Elfstone. Well, it's interesting that the clarification, you know, this is a barrel and Elfstone, maybe that's because they don't have the word emerald, maybe? Right. Or is there evidence of the word emerald later? Oh, no, there is. Uh, it's in uh, Bilbo's song. Uh, emeralds feature in... Uh, ah, that's the right. The word emerald features in the... In the that's right. Arendelle. He said he needed a green stone, didn't he? Exactly. Yes. And he sure gave him one. Upon his breast, an emerald. Yeah. Pot, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So nothing too exciting yet. Mostly just. All right. Some rocks. Right. Basic Rudaran ruins. An effective portcullis. Oh, oh, oh wait, hang on. Except when you can go around the other way, I guess. Yeah, okay. Now it just loops around. Okay. Yeah, there are a few portcullises that are actually effective, but I had to defeat them in order to get in here. Okay, so once again, we're still just finding defensive obstacle within defensive obstacle here. Yeah, you see this oh, dude yeah. here? Well, this so drop these, down. Are, these are fancy portcullises. I mean, they do look effectual, but... Well, it was effective because when they closed, I was rained upon by severed hands. That oh, were right, they dropped me. severed hands. Yeah, that was... Yeah. Uh, I remember that as being unpleasant. Um, so don't be fooled by the laciness. Right, right. Um, though it's... I really like the ceiling carvings, which, of course, oh, yeah. are what we normally see on the floors of gazebos and things. But Yeah, artichoke border, rudar, yeah. crest. Okay, so now what I'm really interested in here with the barrows. Is, see, here, this is what I'm talking about. Because this is obviously... Was oh, this one of these cringing guys? Yeah. It is. Yeah, the crazy I remember guy. these guys from the Barrow Downs. Exactly. Yeah. Right? That, no, don't. Yeah. 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 Um, Either that or fetal position corpse posed. Yes. Yes. 
So once again, what we, and then we got one on each side, right? Over here, yes, we do. Okay, uh, so once again, what we get here is different archeological layers, right? We uh -huh. have ancient barrows from the men which clearly predate the Numenorians. I mean, it's not only obvious that this stone and like the stonework, for instance, on this wall of the barrow. Yeah, it's basically piled up pieces of shale that fit exactly. in the right place. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So this is all, and then of course you get the swirly uh, thing. I mean, this is all quiet. It's just straight out of the barrow downs, right? Yeah. Uh, so clearly from the same kind of group of people, clearly the same sort of general area. But the interesting thing is, is not that we have that, that, that historical and archaeological difference, uh, which we would expect, but it's that, that it was kept here, right? So inside, so when the Rudarans were building this place. Yeah, um, they just kind of left it or built around it. Yes, yes, they left that in here. And of course, that's not going to end up being the only one, right? There's another one right across the way. Yeah. We're going to get a whole series of these. So there was this old burial ground, um, these mm -hmm. this sets of barrows, like the Barrow Downs, which they have, what, kept in here at the heart of their, um, of their, their fortification, right? I mean, this is, again, this yeah, is deep, yeah. deep inside. And I was su suggesting before that some of the outer defenses were put in later, right, as the uh -huh. wars progressed. Um, yeah, you get the feeling there was a plan to eventually get rid of the barrows, but construction was always mysteriously halted. <laughs> maybe, maybe, could be. Um I'm trying to figure out, are these, what are these freestanding little things? Are they crypts? Are they part of pillars, supportive pillars? Was there something on top? Well, they each have one king on them. Now, these are the kings that we normally yeah. have seen in sets, right? So, um, like a chess biscuit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's not connected. Is it connected to this wall? Yeah, it is connected to this wall. So presumably there's a wall like this in between these little freestanding guys as well. That maybe fell over. Right. That maybe is just ruined. Maybe. Mm -hmm. See what I'm... Or, what, see the, what yeah, I'm this one's got stone on top. Right. That's broken off. That's broken off. So it was clearly part of a structure. Yes. But of course... That's different from these two on the end. Of course, that's, this one has a little hat, too, as if it had a pillow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay, because again, see, what I'm looking for evidence of is whether or not there is evidence of any um, Numenorean tombs in here. Right. If the people of Rudauer decided to take this, there, there are some. They're on the yeah. other side. Yeah, they're on the other side. Okay. Yeah, they're on the other side. There's right. actually now we some... know what their like little like stone sarcophagi thing look like. Yeah, yeah. Right. They, they, they got those guys over here on the other side of yeah. the doorway. All right. Let's. Uh... Got a good look at everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. So, did you solo this instance to this point? Uh, yeah. It was. Yeah. That was it was pretty good. Huh. Wait a second. Yeah, so this one was nicer, and then some sort kind of nasty-looking whites came up and started hassling me, and then right. the doorway fell in. 
Is that a gazebo? Oh, there's skulls in here. Top of the hill? They got little windows with skulls looking out. I can't get in there. I can't get up there. Wait, there's no, skull the, windows? Yeah, little windowed skulls looking out. Oh. Right here. Yeah, little skulls in... Those aren't really windows. They're like niches, right? Niche, yeah. Niches, yes. Skull niche. Let's see. That would be a geek rock band, Skull Niche. Skull Niche, yeah. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Uh, Two person with a guitar and an yeah. accordion. Another. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they got another barrel over here, but over here we have the, the Numenorian one on the little gazebo uh, with the Rudar yeah, plaque I'm underneath sure, okay. it. I almost missed that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so good. Clear evidence. So. Mm -hmm. Inside here, they're making burial places amongst mm. the tombs of the ancient dead. So With, maybe like this was an organized catacomb or something? Well, it's kind of looking semi-organized. I mean, these we've got these. These are clearly burial gazebos, mm -hmm. you know, like you do. Um, uh So it's just some sort of necropolis. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of reconstruct the. I'm trying to reconstruct the Rudauran mindset because they've enclosed this all with walls, and it's yeah. deep inside their whole mess of fortifications. Mm -hmm. What are these glowing chests, by the way? I. Didn't look at him. I didn't know if it was going to start something or anything, oh, or it's just going to be full of garbage to fill up my inventory. Right. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, it's just garbage. Okay. Pass. Wait. Pass. Need greed pass. That's different. What does that mean? Oh, that's fellowship rules. If you want it, you can take it. If not, you can pass. I don't remember seeing that terminology. Is that new t terminology? Uh, I don't know. It's been around for a while. Need just, means I need this now. Please let me have it. Greed means I don't need it, but I want it because I'm going to sell it. And pass means don't clog up my inventory with this. Huh. I just remember the old, uh, the old roll or pass mm -hmm. options. Anyway, sorry. So again, I'm trying to recreate the Rudauran point of view here. Mm-hmm. The people of Rudauer, the people of Rudauer would not have identified. So these are not like their ancient forefathers that they, no. uh, whose tombs they're finding, right? That's just, that's not, that's not what this is. Um, uh -huh. Because those people, uh, the, the Rudaurans are Numenorians. Uh, and the yeah. ancient people who lived here are not of Numenorean descent, like the Brewanders are not of Numenorean Yeah, they're the descent. ancient blood people. Okay, these guys are new. I went around here like six times and this wasn't here. Huh. Uh, can we ignore... Oh, Sarah Ocart. Sarah Ocart. Bloody fantastic. Hooray for Sarah Ocart. Can we just kind of ignore... Um, Maybe we'll... Ah, no, no. <laughs> Like, maybe they won't notice us. Maybe we can just yeah. pass and we don't have to escort Sarah Oakhart through this whole thing. I kept trying to make this instance happen and it didn't happen. Huh. Maybe well, we, I had to open don't the chest. Because to... I opened the chest, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. We I don't, don't know have either. to click on her 
Yeah, Quest probably and... not. Yeah, that's okay. Sorry. Sorry, lady. Sorry, We're not doing this. Lady in distress? Who's <laughs> Sarah, who cares? <laughs> totally needs our help and we're ignoring? Um, that's no lady. That's Sarah. <laughs> okay. How do we get into Ivar? Uh, it's the one we passed. It was right next to the barrow in the center. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Just follow me. I can lead us back there. Okay. So, so again, the people who are buried here are not the ancestors of the Rudarans. However, they, one of the things about the Rudarans that we know is that they soon mingled with the, uh, they soon mingled with the Hillmen, right? Uh Um, Uh So we have, we can see, and, and, and I love how it's especially kind of fun thinking back to the, um, Oh, right. There we are. Thinking back to the, you know how many times I just walked right past this when I first did this instance myself? Like, <laughs> oh man, I missed this entrance. Cause it just it looks like they all look the same, you know? And I got disoriented and yeah, I like, I was like, I can't finish this instance and I don't know why for the longest time. Um, yeah. Anyway, I was just waiting for that portcullis to drop on us, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. All right. That's good. I love the so way. We got this big road. I love the way and the way that it's worked out the way that we've done this, thinking about our explorations in Angmar as well before we got here. Right. I love uh-huh. how Lotro essentially allows us to explore at least archaeologically, if not sort of historically as well. Right. The um, the the past histories of the kingdom of Rudaur and of the hillmen who were who fell under the domination of Angmar um, and you know, we know that they're going to be kind of combined, right? And the Cleoths or whatever they're called who are here in Gartha Garwin are uh, seem by their clothing and stuff clearly descendants of the Hillmen. Um, and they consider themselves, you know, the heir of uh, uh, of of not just Angmar, but of uh, uh, the heir of, of Rudar here. Um, so uh the Hillmen, of course, could consider the ancient people who lived here to be their ancestors or somehow connected with them if they were from this area. Um, so I'm wondering if the kind of preservation of the ancient barrows and the mingling of the the clearly Numenorean um, burial sites with the ancient barrow sites here reflects the later mingling of the Hillmen and the Numenorians. Yeah. It seems a possibility. It makes as much sense as anything. Yeah. Or like I said, they wanted to expand their walls, but these stupid barrows get in the way. And every time we try to dig them up, they mysteriously <laughs> reappear. Right. The bulldozers just uh, stop working. Oh, turn off your links, by the way, because we got to make sure we only shoot Ivar. We're going to be X'd out of the oh. thing. Um, I can't turn off my links. Hang on. I mean, just make sure he's only on Ibar, I think it was. Is that it? Fallen Red Guard? Okay. What is I, it? I dismissed him. Okay. Okay, so what do we have to do? I we mean, only have to kill, just kill Ibar. Only aim for Ibar. None of the servants, none okay. of anything else. Just Ibar. That should allow us to stay behind in here and get a look at this little rotunda. Okay. 
Alright. Now we can just kill everything. Okay. Hey, that was a quest I had to do, like, years ago, and I never did it. <laughs> Yay! I, I am completionist, just I, I get there in my own time. That's good. That's good. Alright. Um, okay. Uh, still got a pew-pew in the corner here. This... There we go. Is an altar? Look at this crude yeah. stone altar erected in the middle of this Numenorian platform. So this yeah, is like a little like... amphitheater here. Yeah, Numenorian and it looks like it's piled up with organic garbage or something like that. What is that? Oh, yeah. count the stones. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. What? What's eight stones mean? What the... Which stone? On the altar. Oh, on the altar. On the altar. What does that eight stone mean? Are these graves, is this just like disturbed earth from a, a grave that I'm standing on? Yeah, it could be. Huh. Okay. How many more of those? Yeah, we got a few of these around There's here. four of them, I think. I saw. And then this one is just a pile of skeletons over here, like they just dug up the skeletons and left them out here. Right, or imported them. Um I didn't quite see what he was doing with the right. It just looked like there were spirits coming from the piles around here and bolt right. of lightning. Right. Um, Ooh. We got the vine motif over here. We usually only see that on the side of columns. Oh, yeah. Around this strangely almost blank panel. The which zero the, points of articulation. Which they've hung a banner in front of, but you can see behind it is the star. Oh, yeah. So originally this was just... Uh, uh, oh, hang on. I Might see the Red Sox of... are one strike away from victory. <laughs> oh, come on. Swing at that. Turn. Oh, you knew okay. England. Just... Sorry. All right. Uh, okay. So what is the purpose of this place? Is this supposed to be for funeral rites or something? I, or? Well, I mean, so this is being used for some kind of, like, you know, arcane rituals. Uh, yeah, yeah. By Ivar, obviously. But I don't see any reason to suspect that that was its original purpose or anything. You know, that this was... Because, I mean, you know, they're under the sway of Angmar, right? You could imagine some kind of dark rites being performed in Rudaran places. But there's no evidence of that. I don't see any evidence. Uh -huh. Right? We've got... Two dudes buried. Yeah. So presumably important dudes, right? So mm -hmm. would this simply be like the the kind of I don't know what burial theater, central burial, you know, like the 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 most um you know, the most important of the Rudarans, the Rudaran kings Just, or whoever, right? Yeah, this there were crowds. Burying site. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm uh, uh, that's what I'm assuming from here. So that there, the kind of perversion and the you know the the raising of the dead here, right? Mm -hmm. um, that Ivar is doing. It's more uh, more of an exploitation of uh, um, an exploitation of the burial ground rather than like a fulfillment of its purpose or. Like, I have come to this place so that I can complete the rituals that were, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, uh, um, yeah, it, it doesn't the stone looks like, like a that. new addition. Yeah, the stone looks like a newer addition. Yeah. 
Yeah. This this rock that we're standing on. Yeah, the altar. Yeah. Agreed. Uh-huh. It's Kudo is imported here, presumably by Ivar. Yeah. Um or at his command. Yeah. Not sure why this is his special rock. I can't really see him lifting this up here himself. Right, with the other rocks here. But hey, like, you know, maybe he uh, like borrowed some of the rolling a piano that, up that hill. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> moved the stone of Erech. I don't I don't really know. Um or That's put a it steep on a hill. But yeah, yeah. yeah, it was. Okay. Cool. So, so let's go to the fortress. Okay, so we get a log out of the fortress and yes. then uh I'm gonna ask Flight to send us both a, a fellowship invite and then we'll port into her. Okay. Or, or them in the instance. Great. I'm leaving okay. the instance here. Yep. Come on, Kimbrel, you're killing me here. <laughs> I mean, not as badly as he did before. Okay. All right. So we're going to wait for a... Let me dissolve the fellowship first. Okay. Um, Strike three. Okay. Red Sox win. Disband. Red Sox win. Game really? in the bag. Yep. All right. Excellent. Excellent. See, I made the right decision. <laughs> oh, there it is. Okay. Sorry, I was reading the chat. All right. So, yeah, Fortress, travel now. Okay. Fortress, travel now. Garth Agarwin, the ruins of an ancient fortress of Rudar. All right, Naruhel. By corrupted nature and a vile necromantic power out of Angmar. Up there's the flight. Terrible power still remains to be confronted. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank okay. you so much for going ahead and doing this for us. Now overrun by corrupted nature and a vile necromantic power out of Angmar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Putting the romantic in necromantic. Yes. <laughs> right. Let's see. Oh, defeat no Iglein warriors. Well, that should be easy. Um, uh-huh. Okay. I flight. Thank you for all of your help. Mm-hmm. All Feel right. free to stick around with us while we do this. Yeah, so let's see. Let's look around here. First above the arch, we've got... Uh, okay, with the yep. kings above the arch there. Oh, yeah, that's a heavy-duty arch. Look at yeah. that. That yeah. is made to impress. With the serious portcullis that we were looking at from the other side. Uh-huh. Um, oh, look at all the lines on the vaulting. Uh, and, oh, look at the big, heavy the big heavy guides for the portcullis to drop down. Yeah, yeah. Very. That's so that. this is a... Uh, you know, this instance is called Fortress, right? So we can see... So if the other yeah. was the that sort of central became this kind of outdoor mausoleum, right, of the mm-hmm. uh, 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 of the Rudauran people here in the middle of this, certainly one of their larger cities, if not their center. Mm-hmm. Um, well, location-wise, remember where we were last week before we were able to run into here. Right, exactly. But it's, like, way inside multiple levels of... Uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, of of the uh, defenses that they built yeah. up. No, I meant specifically like right outside. That's where the Lich Factory was. Yes, yes, that is correct. That is correct. The vile necromantic power aforementioned. Uh-huh. Okay, so 
Oh, big pieces of masonry. Just like yeah. that's an entire staircase on its side there. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's kind of disappointing though. Where would that staircase have gone? Oh well. Um, yeah, it's, it almost looks like it's just sort of waiting around for whatever whoever needed that staircase. Yeah. From a ruins perspective, of course, though, although this is large and pretty cool, it's also much more straightforward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as yeah, I mean, as a good fortress should be. Exactly. I mean, like this is obviously, you know, this is the the central defensive fortification. Yep, oh, there's a guy down there. Oh, we do have guys. All right, no worries. Um, that's all right. Banners and pillars. Yeah, I don't. Just I just hope Sarah Oakart doesn't show up again. Okay. <laughs> uh, looking for anything of uh, architectural or archaeological interest. I'm not seeing much again within the context of. This looks like a lot of Brie fortresses too, where people are just hiding yeah. out in the corners. Yes. Yes. Except with the Rudar stuff all over, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not even completely different from what we saw outside this fortress. Yes. You know, on the way in. Yes, it's very similar. Yeah, very sort of. Sort of a labyrinth of uh, utility rooms and passageways. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Alright, let's go back up and go in the main and the main entrance up here. The Gartha Garden Oof, Gate. That's another gate that means business. Look at that. Oh, this is a swinging gate. It's still got wood in it. Yeah. When's the last time you saw wood in one of these ruins? Yeah, that's really interesting. They don't make them like they used to. Oh, we can close it? Can we? I don't know. It's selectable. Oh, I don't Maybe have permission to use it. <laughs> oh. I think that's how that's how uh, Flit got in in the first place. Ah, right. Of course. Okay, so you're inside the courtroom here, inside mm-hmm. the main gate. Oh, Ooh, big ceiling. pattern ceiling. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. There we go. So we've got little things off to the side. What, what, what is this, a bricked up door? That yeah. Used to go somewhere? It's yeah. going to lead to, uh, it's going to lead to Fortunato's corpse chained to the wall asking for a Montiato. Yeah, something like that. Weird. Okay, so we, oh, we got bunks oh. here. Okay, so. Modern the, barracks. Yeah. We can see what the Creoth are using it for, just as we have a modern fireplace and a stool and oh yes butchery equipment no torture torture because it's got straps oh yeah straps look at that those look like orc blades with the little notch bits at the end the blade oh yes no the blade is not notched it has a notch well uh, (laughs) no that that strange sort of uh, serif on the end I don't know how else to pronounce it (laughs) Sorry, yes. graphics, you know. 
digital arts yes, degree. That, <laughs> that's what I think of. That is not a sans serif blade there, clearly. Yes. Yes. Uh, dogs? For, kennels? These are? Right? If we're lucky. Weapons? Whose weapons? Lots of weapons. Okay. It's an interesting guard. Yeah. Swords. Exclusively swords. And one helmet. Oh, with a, it's an Anglerim helmet, right? With the Iron Crown in the front. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. We only okay. get one helmet, and it's Tor's turn to wear it. <laughs> okay, so we have a big vaulted hall with what does look like storage and living spaces for guards on either side. And then we come out to this... Reflection pool. Water feature, yeah, a pool. Oh, this looks like a Roman bath that I visited. It does look a lot like a Roman bath, especially since it's only, like, knee-deep. Now, the water level looks a little bit low. It could be waist-deep, but not more than that. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. I thought those whirlpools looked like trouble there. (laughs) Inhabited, you know, waterfalls, but it's all good. Some people have carp. Some people have gloom waters, you know. (laughs) That's right. This is the biggest one of these we've ever seen. I think so. I can't get a good look at the face here. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out that. I'm trying to figure out the, uh, like, the decorative theme, like, what these guys are used for. They were just on the sides of towers before, but now here in you know Rudauer, they're like, you know. There's steps leading down into here, indicating you're yeah. supposed to be getting it in and out of this. Yeah, clearly. What it's is clearly this? a bath, not just a like a duck bond. Um, yeah. Yeah, but no, clearly in root hour, it's like carved king in a in a in a gothic arch, not just for the sides of towers anymore. Now we use them as like <laughs> uprights at the end of water features. Well, that definitely a... makes it seem more artistic yeah. than political. Yeah. Um, yes. He's telling all the women doing their laundry in this pool <laughs> that he's the king. Well, right. This sort of suggests, like, this is the waiting pool of the king, right? You know, you've come here inside the... I mean, again, if this is the capital, if this is the at least the major city, certainly the major fortification... Um, mm-hmm. There's that, that, you know, statue of the king there certainly looks rather proprietary. Yeah, it's definitely one of those, this is all thanks to me kind of right. attitude. And we have this whole further colonnade on these kind of mm-hmm. natural terraces here. It's a gallery. Yeah, this, this is, is definitely, you can, it's a garden. Yeah, yeah, it is. This would have been, a t- surely there would have been some, some fetching landscaping. Right through there. Oh, there's a there's a coffin and an alcove back down the stairs. That's what, that's what Flit says. Are you standing by it, Flit? Let's see. Show also, us the coffin. Yes. Also, I would Can like you show to show us where the coffin is. Is yes. Is is the name of Flit or Flight? Uh, I can't tell. Is it a reference to Bleak House? 
Do you have pet birds? This is what I want to know. Uh, this seems important. Um, oh, yeah, look at that. It's a memorial garden. Oh, I didn't even see this passage. Okay, so behind the king, right on the far side of the passage, yeah. It's this oh, contemplation this. spot here. Yeah. You know, I think there were some places like this in Minas Tirith. Oh, and, and look, it's like, not uh, in a gazebo. It's just no, in a vaguely sort of... Well, well the oval. trees are being... The trees are being the ceiling here. Right. It's not on a circle. It's not on a star. It's on this, like, eyeball-shaped thing, right? And it's surrounded wow. by this oval colonnade, which is not a gazebo. It's almost like it's working with the landscape instead of fighting it. Yeah. Interesting. So if so, this is presumably the king, right? Like the king who owned the the waiting pool out here mm -hmm. um, you know so one of the kings was like don't bury me in the creepy outdoor mausoleum with all of the old pharaohs <laughs> bury me I want to be buried behind my waiting pool right in the garden mm -hmm. you know and they're like okay grandpa we'll take care of that um, okay bury me in the gardens I loved so much yeah. that'll make it an even pleasanter place and so, though it's again huge fortification, massive gates, you come through into garden. this garden, this guard area, right? And uh -huh. in this in this big hall, and then the garden and the reflecting pool, which you have to walk through in order to get to anywhere else. Now we're back into courtyards. This is, this is one of the big bosses here. Oh right! Oh this guy. Oh, man, I'd almost blocked out how annoying this guy was. Oh, yeah, he just keeps talking, doesn't he? Yeah. Here to protect her happens to those who cross us. Oh, when we get the whole vision? Yes, we get the whole vision. Yeah, whole vision. Right, hang on. She has forgotten who she is. How will we call to her? Take this. I shall add her name upon this mission forever. So this is this is the Angmarum Hillman, right? Yes. Making a deal with this dude. Must have a warden. Right. Arthur, Arthur died. Comes right. It's for the maiden. All right, we've got the Arthurine who broke their oath to Tom Bombadil. Yeah. And they're trying to fulfill their oath and protect the Red Maid. It's all coming back to me. You barf on right, them. He's going to barf on them, exactly. We fulfill our oath to it. Oh, no, except they don't. So the barf hurts ghosts. Yeah. That was ghostly barf, anyway. It was just a ghost of him. Ghostly barf. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. for burn all the things down. Okay. Let us begin. Creepy crawlies. Where are we beginning with? Uh, I don't think we're going to find out. Maybe we killed him before he had a chance. 
Okay. Have we begun? Uh, I don't know. Are we going to be able to complete the quest? We're going to be able uh, to get into this room. Did we begin well, too quickly? Well, coming. Maybe. Oh, oh, there we Yay, are. Yay! The dead shall so rise. So the dead shall rise. Okay. Hooray! Oh, it's like those fake outs, like like in Chucky. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Oh, okay. Here we are. Do I have to do something with the old chest? Uh, it says it's an old chest. Oh, that's and right. And blew you straight up in the air, which was fun. What? I'm carrying an engraving. Oh, yeah, carry the engraving. Okay. That seems okay. like it's going to be That's in the okay. engraving. Spring of the Red Maid, which I, I don't do. have to. We don't. If we can complete oh, okay. the quest thing, that's cool. Actually, could. Hey there, Red Maid. Wanna... Oh, that's cool design. Look at that. I don't think I got a good look at her before. No, I was kind of. I was just... too busy running away. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, right. Sorry. She's fighting us. Yeah. Except now she's not. She's, <gasps> she's got a water bubble. A water buffalo? Water oh, oh, Everybody has a water buffalo. <laughs> Why don't I have a water buffalo? Um, uh, oh, oh, she just killed me. Okay, okay, yeah, whatever. So we failed the challenge, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Feed the dark water. Narahal yeah. becomes more difficult to harm. Right. Are you, or were you dead? I am actually a little bit what? dead. I didn't really notice oh. the death. Okay, uh, quick, notice the architecture while you're dying. Yeah, okay. Okay. Oh, no, but I can't turn. So. Oh, yes, I can. Oh, okay, okay. so... Oh, all right. Okay, so we're in the middle of a standard gazebo here in the middle. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, there she is. Hey, oh, she's yeah. back. That's great. And neither one of you can res me, right? So that's where... No, I'm a hunter. I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. No worries. I don't make people better. I shoot them. I understand. So this was this an amphitheater? Do you think? Yeah. Got, it's so tall. Yeah, it's got the round. gazebo in the middle. Yay! It, she's going to restore order. That's excellent. Hooray! And I can okay. log in, carry on, and, and maybe join it and uh, res you. Maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah. Let's see where it's. Can I stay? Like it's not gonna it's not gonna it. boot us, is it? I don't know. Let <laughs> me boot up the game and find out. Yeah, sure. Anyway, uh, I don't regret it because I was really enjoying looking at her. I really liked how she. You could see like the sort of you know the twisted vegetation crawling up around her, right? Yeah, it was like poison ivy, but with kind of like a pre-Raphaelite Ophelia look to it. Yeah, it was it was really neat. And I yeah, I had never looked at her at all. Um, in fact, I remember well. Do I remember the time? I'm pretty sure it was Maven and I who did this together. That was still back in our very early days learning how to play. And I spent uh -huh. the entire time running in circles, like I was running. <laughs> And running <laughs> and running in circles because I, I remember was, some of those. I was tanking, but uh -huh. I was way too weak to survive. So I w I kept drawing the aggro of all the ads and then just kiting them around and around and around, uh, uh -huh. which eventually worked. But uh, but anyway, needless to say, I didn't get a good look at her because um, <laughs> if ever I was in the same spot with her things were 
going very badly indeed. Okay. Logging in now. Okay. Kiriana? Yep, should be Kiriana. Tell me what you see outside the gazebo. Is there is is it grassy ground? I mean, there's water, right? Uh-huh. Um, uh, all I can do is uh, promote you in the kinship or demote you. I can't invite you into the fellowship, I can see. That's unfortunate. Who's the fellowship leader? Oh, Flight is. Yeah. I'm going to call oh, you Flight. Oh, that's assuming... right. Flight, can you... That's right. Can you... Um, I'll send you a tell with the name in it. Yeah. And I'm going to keep calling her Flight because I'm going to assume that it is a reference to Bleak House. I met one of the actors that was in the TV adaptation of that book. The Masterpiece Theater one? Yeah, the one with Gillian Anderson in it. Cool. Also featured Dennis Lawson, a.k.a. Wedge Antilles from Star Wars. I met him last year. Okay, Flip made me leader, so I can... But... Alright. There we go. No problem, I still have 372 seconds. (laughs) Grayed out for me? What was that? You 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 didn't get the travel now. I did get the travel now, but the travel now button is grayed out. Travel later is not. Wow. <laughs> I think you can we travel just later as long as it's within three hundred and fifty-two seconds. No, it's fine. I, I I can actually see enough from here. I think because I'm fortunately I died in almost the exact center uh, of this place. So we can see that this is surrounded by solid walls. We've got this gazebo in the center. We're surrounded by solid. You know what I think this is. I think this is a secret garden. That's what I think this is. Yeah. I think this is a walled garden. Um, because it's, if you can look around and tell me, beneath the water and stuff outside the gazebo, does it look like it was originally paved? Or is, I mean, there's uh, grass growing there now, but is there just grass growing through stonework? Or is the whole floor paved, or is there what looks like original grass? Around. No, it does. It does look like a pool or a reflection pool of some kind. Okay, because clearly, like the people who made the terraced colonnades and the reflecting pool, they were not into like nature in its pristine state, right? This was obviously yeah. highly contrived natural circumstances from the beginning. So, uh, you know what this reminds me of. It reminds me of the um, elf reputation, sort of hidey hole in uh, Rivendell, hmm. where they have oh, yes. a gazebo right, right. in the middle of a pond that you yes. can access by a walkway. Right. You see how the water's the water's actually much more shallow between the gazebo and the door, implying there was a walkway there. Right. Right. Okay. So, so that this could have this would likely have been a watery thing to begin with, but this would have been a, like a private retreat originally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it does make you wonder if it's connected to the source of nature that the Red made this part of in the first place. Like right. maybe this was like built this was as like a the, shrine to her. Or like a spring or something. You know, that mm-hmm. A natural spring that popped up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm I'm going with walled garden because I don't. There's no fortifications, mm-hmm. right? So this doesn't look like it was meant to be defended. Um, uh-huh. And even the gates, as you see, these are not intense gates, right? There's doors, there, no. But it's not. Uh-huh. I mean, we've seen in 
intense gates at several points leading into here. Yeah, it's not the portcullis we saw. Exactly. And it's anyway, it's just we got here just by coming up the hill, up those terrace, those garden terraces, right, from the pool. So mm-hmm. I think there's no reason to think that all of this is not just kind of living area, sort of pleasure garden uh, mm-hmm. for the kings of Rudaur. Um It definitely makes it the most beautiful thing we've seen in Rudaur and architecture so far. It does, but it's not without its kind of ominous side as well, right? It's um, love of sticking dead people in things. Well, yes, that certainly, but also um, like the way in which the walled garden here with no windows suggests that <laughs> this is like a prison, right? Um, yeah, and I see Kate Or being selfishly hoarded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, at the very least, others are being excluded from this, um, e- even more forcibly than they would have been presumably from the pool. We saw the, the walls before we came into the garden. They were strict and, and completely impassable, like, yeah. you know, with, with iron reinforcement on a lot of it. This this was definitely meant for an elite few. Yeah, yeah. So on the one hand, as you say, one of the most beautiful places in Rudauer, um you know, this whole area from the pool to the, t- you know, with to the garden terraces uh, to this, you know, secret garden in here. Um, but the fact that this is like the home site of this water spirit who's like Goldberry, right, is um, mm-hmm. makes it feel like potentially more twisted from the very beginning. Right. Um, yeah. Did they have a wholesome, you know, is this like, you know appreciation of nature combined with like dragon sickness, essentially, you know, this kind of hoarding of this, uh, 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 even something almost like enslavement to try to, to keep what's her name. Now the red maid, now that she's not red anymore. Uh, Narwell. Narwell. Right. Uh, to try to keep her here, right. Or to keep her to themselves or whatever exactly was going on here. Um, yeah, yeah, that's I cool. think that's, that's really interesting. Now we will see, we will move to the last bridge and then the troll shaws starting next week, assuming again, the Sox win. Assuming the wedge. Um, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> if the series doesn't go six, then next week we will explore the last bridge and, uh, we'll move, start moving into the troll shaws and I'll be interested to see. I was suggesting that Gartha Garwin is so huge, it looks like it must have been, like, possibly even the capital of the Rudaran uh, kingdom. The The old maps don't suggest that. Like, Tolkien's maps seem to suggest that the main body of the Rudaran um, land was in the Trollshaws, actually, um, uh-huh. on the other side of the river. Um, so I'll be interested to see. I'm, of course, I'm expecting to see lots of Rudaran ruins over there in the Trollshaws. Certainly, oh, there's oodles of them. Yeah, certainly north of the road. And there I finally just timed out. Um, okay. Well, you're dead now, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's fine. Um, <laughs> actually, I could probably just have run back in in all the time that I've spent there looking around, come to think of it. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. But whatever. Um, I didn't know if the, uh, if the oh, doors were closed. Oh, it's late. I'm tired. Whatever. It's fine. Um, but it's, it's all good. So um, the... 
was I going to say? Um, oh, yeah. So I'm just, again, thinking about uh, looking at my map here for a second. Doing some architectural projections. Where's my cursor? Okay, I'm losing my cursor. There it is. All right, looking at the troll shots here. All right. So we've got definitely some ruins we can expect to see south of the road and more north of the road. I'm certainly expecting everything north of the road to be Rudar. My uh -huh. question is, what is what are we going to see like down at Talbruinen, uh, the ruins south of the road? Um, are uh -huh. we going to see the continuation of the Arthodyne to the south, Rudar to the north, as Arthodyne tries to stretch out here to try to curtail the expansion of Rudar? Or are we going to see something else down there? Is this like going to the be like El the Eregian elves or something? The yeah, exactly. Are they going to be coming up from the south? Are we going to be getting um, uh, something else entirely? Are we going to be getting a dominance by the people of Rudauer all the way through this whole area outside of Rivendell? Um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not nearly as sure what what to uh, what I'm what I expect to see, um, but in particular, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm wondering if within the Trollshaws, we're going to see anything that rivals what we've seen here in Gartha Garwin uh, for what could be the the real capital and centerpiece of the old Rudauran kingdom. Um, again, the old maps suggest that that's possible. Um, I was just looking at, you know, one of the old Middle-earth maps, and you can see Rudauer is on the map, and it's on the other side of, you know, it's on this side of the river. Um, mm -hmm. that you see the main word Rudauer. Now, uh, you know, so we'll see. That's one of the things. So I'm going to be interested to be exploring around the Trollshaws and see what we can see here. Um, All right. And that's what we'll do next time. So Okay, so keep your eyes posted on the game scores. Exactly. That'll indicate exactly whether we're right. yeah, we'll next see. Tuesday so, or the I'll, one after. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely announce it. But again, I've... I'm feeling right. pretty confident. Sox won game one. I think uh, I think four or five. It won't take long. So we'll be good. All right. <laughs> special shout out for Flight for making the second Yeah, thank you so much for that. that. This is a lot of work to go through and uh, clear out this whole instance solo. So thank sure you was, for yes. That. Um, okay, very good. So thanks, everybody. And I will see you hopefully next week if the Sox win in five or four. Uh, if not, I'll see you the week after that. And don't forget L.A. Moot, everyone in Southern California. Don't forget to uh, to come and join me this coming weekend, October 27th in L.A. Uh, go to lamoot.org to register. Thanks very much, everybody. Bye now. Bye. Thanks for joining me on this epic exploration of The Lord of the Rings and of Standing Stone's video adaptation of Tolkien's story. If you are having even half the fun I'm having on this journey, I hope you will consider supporting the project by donating at signumuniversity.org fund.